Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? Half Hump Day! Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Quasi Hump Day here on 101 ESPN. The Opening Drive, Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. We started yesterday, so Hump Day gets here in a big hurry, which is a great thing. Good morning, Mr. It's Davis. a, it's a wonderful thing. We're, we're already halfway through. Yeah. Although, this was, this. I don't, I don't know if we talked about it on air yesterday. Rock brought up a great point that we're working a four-day work week. Mm-hmm. However, we are working more Wars. hours this week than we normally do in a five-day work week. How did we let this happen? How, someone, I, 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 we may have said it, but it, 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 it's worth repeating. That the numbers are are showing that we're working more hours than normal mm-hmm. for yeah. a normal week. I, I don't know how we're gonna have to talk to some people, Randy, because the numbers. I'm, I, I like numbers, you know. I, they, right, they, right, tell, yeah. they tell you the story generally speaking. So these well, numbers aren't 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 going in the in the favor of us. I, I think no. when I walked past this morning, the the hallway still seemed a little no Riz show empty. Yeah, no uh, no Remy hmm. and Casey. Uh, no Courtney show, no hmm. you man and AD. It's, and then you get to our. St- and by the way, no McKernan. He's never here when we get here anyway. <laughs> but still, they aren't here. So the only people that are here in the whole building are us talking sports. We're we're here for the people though. I was gonna say, yeah. and you know, and you know what? You're welcome, St. Louis. Yep, yeah. you're and better for it. We we will point <laughs> out. Tell your friends. Turn that dial. That this is what our show is all about. Because we got the email last week. Hey. Would you guys be willing to work an extra hour for every day next week because McKernan's out? We don't even think about it. We don't even do the numbers. We nah. just say, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, 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 we're good. No problem. Yeah, and then we do the numbers and we say, damn. <laughs> <laughs> they got us. <laughs> it's 7.03. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler on a Wednesday morning on the heels of the Blues. 5-4 loss to Toronto last night at Enterprise Center. The Leafs scored first, just 3.08 into the game, but the Blues came back on the strength of Carey's guy. And Brown and Timmons battle behind the net with Levo trying to dig it in. They get it in front, and Torepchenko's pass blocked away. Rosen shoots, he scores! The puck came back to Rosen. It was a half-slap shot, and he rips it in. 12.26 to go, we're tied 1-1. to I, I've been asking for it. I, I, he all he does is make plays. He finds a way to make things happen. And for me, you, you're, you have some. We've had struggles on the on, with the defenseman mm-hmm. pretty much all year. The fact that this man does not get more time, I, I understand. You know, people say, "Well, he's a he's a backup player. He's a role player. Look at his career." I understand all of that. But sometimes, those 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 
opportunities. You just didn't get them opportunities in other places. So now there's a clear opportunity for you to play to get more time on the ice. And when he's out there, it seems like for whatever reason, I, I, you know, I'm watching. I'm watching the same game as everyone else. He seems a little bit different when he's out there making plays. He is a really nice, steady performer for the Blues. By the way, Lobro and Toro with the assists on that goal at 7.34. Blues tie it at one apiece. Thank you. I'm glad that somebody got a chuckle out of that. So should it be Lobro or Lobrow? Because I like Lobro. Okay. Yeah, low, I like Lobro. Lobro is, low low is, is you, might well say, you might as well say Brown if you say Brow. Yeah, so right. Lobro yeah. low low is... is yeah, Lobro and Toro. I, I, got it. Okay, sounds got it. like a, a group. Yeah, be touring somewhere. I was going to line. I like I like Toro. I like, I like Toro. Toro's good. Yeah, he's a bull. He, he really there is. There you go. John Tavares scored in the final minute of the first period to give Toronto a two to one lead, and then in the second period. Uh, <laughs> the, the Leafs took a penalty, and the Blues were on the power play. And this is what happened. Into the corner, there's a player, there's a stick on the ice, but all the Blues have their sticks. Far side, quick shot deflected on, rebound loose in front, tap in, shorthanded goal. Bad defense by the Blues, and it's 3-1 to one, Toronto with a shorthanded goal. Okay, so the Blues are on the power play. Mm-hmm. They're in their own end. There are three Leafs around the net. There are a couple of Blues kind of floating around near the blue paint. And Kerfoot is able to tap it in, and it seemed like they were there for like 10 seconds. Yeah. You're on the power play. You got to get them out from in front of your Mm -hmm. net. The fact that they felt comfortable being in your zone. Shorthanded. (laughs) Shorthanded tells you, it probably tells you a lot. And, and, we talk about the special teams often. Normally, it's the penalty kill, but the power play has to score goals when when you're when you're up one player. If you're not able to do that, you're not going to win games, Randy. It, it's it's pretty simple. By the way, one more point about that goal, Matthew. Can you play that goal again? I want I want folks to hear this because it's not just a shorthanded goal. Play it again. Into the corner. There's a player. There's a stick on the ice, but all the Blues have their sticks. Far side, quick shot deflected on. Rebound loose in front. Tapping, shorthanded goal. Bad defense by the Blues. So essentially, it was five on three. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 still score. One of them didn't have. One of the Leafs didn't have their stick. So it was essentially five on three, yeah. and and two of those guys, two of the three, were right in front of the Blues net. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So that's not the way they drew it up. The Blues. Nah, nah, not but, not at all. But they were able to rally. Ryan O'Reilly scoring uh, later in the second period, and then Justin Falk scoring, and the Blues had tied the game at three. Aaron Croak scoring to make it a. 4-3 game in the third period, but uh, before before the second period was out into the third, but in the third, Blues down by a score of 4-3, to three, and here's what happened. Cairo with some patience up to Pareko. Pareko holds on to it, gives it back to Cairo. Score! Glorious shot by Cairo. 4-4 the score. 5-13 gone, third period. Man, does he have some skill? He really does. That was a beautiful shot. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's what you expect from him now. It, it's it's he's our he's our goal. He's our guy that's going to score goals for us. Um, and it's what you expect. And you would think at that moment, okay, we're back in it. We're good. We're tied. Going to overtime and see what we can do. And Kairou delivering a little bear hug of Brody mm-hmm. early on in overtime to allow a penalty shot. I'd actually rather have the penalty shot than the two minutes. I I, I agree. I thought he was, I mean, Bennington made a heck of a save. 
he really neck tackled him. He took him down from behind. It was a big time defensive <laughs> it play. Was a, it was yeah. a it was an old night train lane tackle going <laughs> across the middle. Like yeah. he just bear hug him, grab him by the neck, pull him down, and so they got the penalty shot. And fortunately, um, you know, Bennington was able to stop it. But he wasn't able to stop. William Nylander at the 403 mark of OT. Long pass coming up the right side. Tarasenko dips the shoulder, tries to drive it in. Nowhere to go with it as he's got it back in the corner. Falk is in on him too tight. And it's Tarasenko nearly losing it, and he does. In, Nylander. Deke shoots, scores. Toronto beats the Blues in overtime. 5-4. Puck management bites them again. They get a big point, but they can't get the second one. And the Leafs beat the Blues 5-4. Five. Five, and Vladimir Cherosenko has done a lot of wonderful things for the Blues over the years. But too often, this year, and really last year too, and granted, he's probably not the same as he was before the shoulder injuries. But this is a guy that's 220 pounds. He's supposed to be exceptionally strong on the puck. You just can't have giveaways, especially at times like that with a guy like William Nylander on the on the ice. He gets his 21st and the Leafs win at 5-4. It was a terrible turnover. I mean, obviously that's not what he was trying to do, but in that moment it was a, it was a terrible turnover and, and, and Nylander is able to go in uncontested, really, with Bennington and, and make the goal. And you lose the game in that manner. I think that was you know, it, it's, I don't know how you, how you fix some of the issues that are that are going on. Taking care of the puck, making crisp passes, getting people from in front of the net. It seems to me just more of a, not a physical thing, but mm-hmm. just a mental staying locked in the entire game and staying locked in every, every minute of the game. Um, and right now, for whatever reason, it's not happening. But I guess the, the, the silver lining is they're still – 500, 16, 16, yeah. and three. Mm-hmm. You, you, you haven't. You lost the last couple of games in overtime, so it's not. Um, it's not that detrimental to to the record at this point. But you would like to have. You would have liked to won those games as opposed to losing them in overtime. And if you would have told me before the game that Toronto was going to score four, I would have thought in regulation. I thought, oh, lose, lose in regulation. There's no way that they score four with Toronto. Randy, let's let's talk about this though. The last three games, three losses. Mm-hmm. You've given up 15 goals. Can't do it. Can't that, win that way. You won't win no. that way. I, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a mathematician. Clearly, because we don't know how to count hours of work, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. But if you're giving up 15 goals in three games, you're probably going to lose. You're going to have to score 16 goals in three games in order to win. Oh well, no, that's not even right either, is it? That you got to score 18. Yeah. To win. I mean. You have to stop people from putting the puck in your net. And right now, defensively, they're not they're not getting to people and doing that well enough. So the Blues lose by a score of 5-4 in overtime. They will take on the Blackhawks tomorrow night at Enterprise Center. 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Also last night, we don't want to just gloss over the fact that the NBA experienced its greatest triple-double ever. Luka Doncic against the Knicks, 60 points. 21 rebounds, 10 assists. 60, 21, and 10. We're talking about the Blues putting a body on somebody. Put a body on Luka and get him off the boards, man. (laughs) Unbelievable, yeah. 60 points, 21 rebounds. I mean, we talked about it off air. If you were looking at Luka... If you if, if if you were watching him, you know, at the gym, getting ready, mm-hmm. getting prepared, and you had all of these other guys, LeBron, Michael Jordan, you would look at Luca and say, eh, he's tall. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can maybe he can defend somebody and he might go out there and be the best player on the court that day. Like he is that good. 
um, of a basketball player and is able to do so many things that are absolutely amazing to watch. And he does it at a pace that older gentlemen would definitely mm-hmm. appreciate. He's not flying past you. He's just going at his pace, and it is a beautiful thing. I say this as a phrase of endearment. But if you have a group of guys, like you say, walking in on the Friday before the All-Star game for workouts and press conferences and stuff, and he walks in, you say, oh, there's a guy. What celebrity is that that's going to play in the celebrity (laughs) All-Star game, right? Right? You you don't think of him as a – you don't look at him and say NBA player, but he's one of the top five players in the whole league right now. He's, He's remarkable. He doesn't look like his build doesn't even look like an athlete. He's no, not he's right. not ripped up or cut up or or overly strong physique. He's 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 a hooper though. He's a guy that puts the ball in the basket anytime you get it in his hands and obviously can get the ball to other teammates as well by by passing it to him with the with the number of assists that he has. He, he's he's a very fantastic. He's a fantastic player. 7th player in history to score at least 50 in a triple double. He scored or assisted on 85 of Dallas's 126 points and maybe this is the year that he has a breakout in the playoffs. That's Kerry. I'm Randy off and running here on 101 ESPN coming up it is Wednesday. We're going to have Greg Amsinger early this week because he's going to be hopefully for him, flying tomorrow. But uh, we've got Ask Uncle Randy coming up next. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Ask Uncle Randy is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Here we are heading into 2023. If you got a New Year's resolution, maybe you got a question about a New Year's resolution. Maybe New Year's Eve, you're thinking about asking that the last that you have been uh, dating for a while for her hand in marriage. Maybe. You never know. If you have a question for us, 65780, it's uh, Ask Uncle Randy Day. It is Wednesday here on 101 ESPN. Matthew Rocchio has the text machine up and running. And if you have a text for us, feel free to check in. Matthew, what do you got? We're a little right right now. People, people are are not need, in need of a lot of advice right now. Oh, I for, think they do. For Uncle Randy, they, they're going to they, trust me. As soon as we start talking, they start rolling in here, and then there's 10, 15 mm-hmm. we can't get to because of uh, we we get caught on a big one. Okay. So here's my question for you, Randy. I have uh, Uncle Randy for you. I'm not a big fan of New Year's Eve mm-hmm. as a big holiday. I'm not sure if you are, but my ask, Uncle Randy, would be to you. How do I get the most out of a holiday that, in my in my personal experience, may be the most overrated on the calendar? Hmm. Okay. I'm just saying. So That's my personal thing. Here's what I do, and we haven't been able to do this for the last couple of years. But it has become kind of a, a character family staple. Everybody has fun at Topgolf, right? You always oh. have, have fun at Topgolf. The golfer has fun. The non-golfer has fun. The non-golfer can beat the golfer at Top Golf. Great food, great drink, great atmosphere, and so that's what we've done, and that's what we're going to do on New Year's Eve. I'm like you; I don't go to big New Year's Eve parties. I'm not a drinker. I don't want to be out on the roads on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go to Top Golf, and then we also have a tradition of making ice cream sundays right before midnight. So we'll do that. But for somebody of your age that doesn't want to just hang out in a bar or a ballroom and just drink. I say Top Golf is a great play. 
Ooh, are they, do they have like special hours? I think they're open till midnight. Yeah. Really? Just go to topgolf.com. That's incredible. I yeah. love that. Quick question: what's, do what's it now? Your, what's your, everybody listening is going to be? Yeah, they're gonna lined be, up. They're lined be, up. Yeah, eating True. up those bays. What is your? <laughs> what, what's, what's the best topping for a Sunday? Oh, that well, is a that is because I, I have an out of the box choice here. Oh, great! I'm not so, going to make so, you mad. So hot fudge is not a topping, correct? Hot fudge is just a uh, staple. Oh no, 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 I, no that's I, a topping. I, I think if, if you were well, giving me what the best topping on a Sunday is, I think that would be the. I think yeah, that I'm, could I'm, be in the category. I'm not doing a uh, Sunday without hot fudge, so okay. I guess that's it. Do you do it right? For, for me, it's caramel or caramel, if uh-huh. you're, depending on where you are, and chopped nuts. Right. If you if you if you. You, you put that on there on an ice cream on a on a vanilla ice cream. Hey, sign me up. That that was that's that's the way to go. What are the two pronunciations you had for that word? Caramel or, okay. or caramel. Okay. I just I just wanted you said you said you said two other things and I was what like, did I say? Wait, wait, caramel. You said like caramel, caramel and caramel. Caramel. Like, that's the same caramel thing. or caramel. Um, I am a sucker for the hard shell. It's awesome. That you, that you can buy. Yeah. Oh, that, I like, you put yeah. a hard shell so, on top of ice cream. Okay. I'll eat that thing for days. I'll just keep putting the hard shell. I'll put a little hard shell on the plate, break it off, and eat it like a piece of candy. Yep. Get Moose Tracks ice cream. Oh, Randy, speak my language. With hard shell. And then you really got something. Ooh. You're mm. But we loaded up. We've got sprinkles. We've got whipped cream. We've got caramel. We've got hot fudge. We've got uh, hard shell. We've got the uh, the regular chocolate uh, syrup. So yeah, we we do it right with the character hustle. All right, Randy, here we go. Dear Uncle Randy, I just got out of a broken engagement, but I've been seeing someone else since, and I believe she's the one. When is the appropriate time to pop the question? Okay, there's this is a twofold question because number one, you have to make sure that you aren't just on the rebound coming out of a broken engagement. That's really important for you so that you have to do some self-analysis here and clearly you have because you believe uh, this woman is the one I believe that what you need to do here is while love is an emotional entreaty that's something that is really difficult to analyze in a particular situation like this I think you need to analyze you have to ask yourself okay a year, two, three, four years down the road, is this person compatible enough with me that I could live my life with her? Then the other question that you have to ask yourself and you have to analyze is, if I do pop the question, is she going to say yes? Mm. You have to find out if she's in love with you too, because it sounds like it's a rather recent relationship. But if, if you feel like you're in love and you feel like you can live the rest of your life with her, and you feel like that she's on the same page, then go for it. I need more information. Just got out of a broken engagement and now in another relationship. That's the part. Yeah, Yeah, I just got out of a broken relationship, a broken engagement. Uh, but I've been seeing someone so else. So can you I, give I would us like a time to, frame yeah, on this? I would like, to, I would like a yeah. time frame and to what, know. What would you say the time frame is? Let's see if I, we're on the same page. I would say six months. That's exactly what six I was going to say. Six months is, a, is, is you yeah. know, if you have been, but if it's, Two, three months, and you're just... Yeah. Ah. And if it's six months, obviously you're still saying just got out of. Yes. So that means that you still, you're still thinking about it. Yes. Right? And you're if wondering if you're, you're making the, the... If it's six months since the engagement got broken, mm-hmm. yeah, you, there's no way you're more than five months into the relationship. Everything about this is too yeah. early, in my personal opinion. Yeah, so just... 
quick. Use, it's quick. use some analytics here. Okay. <laughs> Every once in a while, the numbers can be good. Yeah. Randy, I just want to know if I should still be getting my hopes up about the Lions making the playoffs. I was sure of it until last Saturday when the Panthers ran all over them. Don't get your hopes up about the Lions making the playoffs. By the way, I don't know if you saw the, the Lions. Uh, this year, Peyton Manning broke the curse of the Lions, the curse really? of Bobby Lane, who when they traded him to the Steelers, two games after he had won the championship, Lions traded Bobby Lane to the Steelers back in 1958. And mm-hmm. he said, okay, trade me to the Steelers, but you'll never win a championship ever oh. again. And they've won one playoff game since. So Peyton Manning went into Detroit and got together, I think, with Jeff Bridges, and they wound up uh, trying to break the curse. I would suggest that you shouldn't have your hopes up simply because it is the Lions, but... Next year, the Lions are going to be good, and I think you can be confident about the future. At the moment, CD, though, if we look at what they have to do to and what would have to happen for them to make the playoffs, I just think it's it's too much of a reach. Right now, Washington sits in the seventh spot at 7-7-1. Seven, seven, Detroit is 7-8, and eight, but not only would you have to have Detroit and Seattle lose, but you also have to come up with a couple of wins at home against the Bears and then at Green Bay. And Green Bay is going to be playing with a level of motivation in that game, too. And it's going to be cold. It is going to be cold yeah. in Bowen. Are they at Chicago yeah, as well? Uh, no, they're home against the Bears. Okay. Well, yeah, they, it, it, they're inside. So, yep. But in Green Bay in January, is going to be yep. uh, freezing. But this is your jumping off point for the Lions. So if, if, if you're interested in being a Lions fan, this is the time to hop on that bandwagon. It is, because right now, I think they're still sitting at the third pick uh, in next mm-hmm. year's draft b- via the Rams. Um, and if you are able to get uh, Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson, Jalen from, from Georgia, Will Anderson from uh, Bama, those two defensive guys are guys that are going to get after the quarterback, going to stuff the run, and now you're able to do some things defensively. They already have a potent offense. Jamison Williams is coming back. He's, he's not even at full strength yet. They're going to be outstanding offensively. If you are unsure about this season, sir or ma'am, it's okay because next year will probably be your year. Yeah. I, I, I say I will put them in a position to win the division. Um, them in them in Minnesota. Minnesota Minnesota's still going to be yeah, they're going to be pretty, pretty good. good. By the way, the Rams win over the Broncos kind of messed things up. That pick is now six or seven. Oh, come on, LA, yeah. what are you doing, dear Uncle Randy? Well, Denver, I'm, what are you doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> Dear Uncle Randy, I'm pretty sure my significant does not like the Christmas gifts I gave her. What do I do now? Do you have gift receipts? I would say if she doesn't like them, that you provide gift receipts and allow her to return them and say, hey, if you don't like them, I want you to have something that you like. You always get the gift receipt. Now, I hope you got gift receipts. But if she doesn't like them, then you say, you know what? You're more than welcome. If, you, But don't do it in a mean way. Say, hey, you know, if you don't like that, I don't mind if you return it. How does that make you feel, though? If you if you put thought and effort into something that you felt that she would appreciate, and she's just like, I don't, I don't like that at all. Does it make you second-guess well, yourself a little bit? I'm hardened to it, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> so over years, you just yeah. build up a callus to it. It yeah. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's one way. <laughs> Just give it time. That's one way. You know, you that, that, might be, that might be some that of the best. Be the best answer yeah, I've heard. That might be the best piece of advice from any singular uncle Randy we've got. Just sometimes you just gotta tell you. Sometimes, it, sometimes it sucks. Uh, you take it for the team. Yeah. Sometimes you just, <laughs> teeth and bear. That's life. Yeah.
But she, Joan did like the, I, I got her some boots that she really, really liked. She liked everything I got her, so she's very happy. So got her a, a, a Billikens pullover that she th- thinks is cool. So Listen, it, it all worked out this year. My advice for this guy is just just face off, the, have the conversation you're going to have to have eventually here, which is her being like, I just feel like you don't really understand me. Just have the conversation. No, it's no, going to no. suck. It's going to be a rough fight. Just don't get through it, my guy. Oh, man. No, just say. Just, just no, start no, it no. now and get through it. And then she, if you say you don't like it, you can. If you don't like it, you can return it. And then she might say, oh, I like it. Yeah. And then she'll never wear it. Um, <laughs> coming up next, <laughs> Greg Emzinger, MLB Network on a Wednesday here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I'm coming home, I'm coming home, tell the world I'm coming home. It is the opening drive, 101 ESPN, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and to Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, native St. Louis and product of the Lindenwood University is standing by. Good morning, Greg. How are you doing? <laughs> wow. I know, because I used to produce for Randy Carricker. I used to be the guy on the other side of the glass that you pick the music beds that you come back from break. <laughs> that is a Randy character decision. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> I'm not blaming anybody else. I'm blaming you. Hey, the, the social media, and you are not a social media guy, and I'm so proud of you, by the way, because I kind of wish I wasn't, but you, you are not. But social media is alive with clamoring for Greg Amzinger to come home as the new TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. So, will you please? <laughs> Are you asking me out? Play my play guy the Cardinal right now? Uh, listen, Randy. I actually, did all all seriousness, I appreciate you asking me this question. My phone's been ringing off the hook about this. Um, the whole story saddens me because of what I think of Dan McLaughlin, uh, one of my mentors. I think he's an immense star in the business, and breaks my heart that this is even a topic of conversation. Uh, my contract at MLB Network, it ends January 1st. And I've had a lot to think about in in the last few days. Um, but I am happy to report that I just signed on Friday a four-year contract to stay at MLB Network and continue the show that I do. I appreciate that. So I, I'm not coming home. It, it Was it something that I considered? The answer is yes, Um you know, to be the play-by-play guy of the Cardinals when you're a St. Louis guy growing up is, is, a, is a dream job. Um, it is one of the best jobs in the industry. Um, but at this stage of my life and my career, what I'm doing right now is just so special to me. It's a dream job as well. Uh, and the people I work with are like family to me. So it, 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 it's a unique gig that, to me, I get to use my my skills in a very unique way. And I'm thrilled. I love where I am. But it, it was humbling to hear all the Cardinal fans, you know, try to hear from me about this topic. So I'm glad we're putting it to bed. I'm staying at MLB Network for the next four years, and I am not in the running to be the play-by-play guy at the Cardinals. Well, great. Thank you for uh, letting our listeners know that maybe now they will understand and not continue to ask <laughs> us if you are going to be the next play-by-play guy. Uh, question for you, Greg. The uh, the Braves just signed Sean Murphy to a six-year deal for $73 million. Obviously, the Cardinals signed Contreras to a five-year 87.5. Do you think that uh, the Braves got the better deal out of that? And, and would that have been something that the Cardinals could have been uh, would have considered if, if, if it had been on the table? 
Well, first things first, it's good to be an Atlanta Brave. I mean, they lock everybody up. I mean, you're, if you work in concessions, you're getting locked up to a seven-year contract. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, you go around the diamond, everybody's got a, a long-term contract. So uh, eventually, hopefully, this works out the way it did for what they used to call the Cleveland Indians back in the day when they had Manny Ramirez and Omar Vizquel and they locked up all these guys, and it paid off in a big way because they became superstars. This Braves team, even though the Phillies and the Mets keep spending money, all of the baseball experts still believe they're the best team in the NL East and the best team in the National League. That's how great they are. I'm a bit – I'm trying to curb my enthusiasm for Sean Murphy, okay? Mm-hmm. I think he is a very talented young catcher, no doubt about it. But to me, Wilson Contreras – uh, has proven himself at a much higher level. He just has. Wilson Contreras' 162 averages are Hall of Fame level. I mean, they just are. And he's been doing this for quite a long time. Whereas Sean Murphy, I, I, I think he's a really good player. I, don't get me wrong. I just don't understand why the Braves felt the need that they had to do this. They had more production offensively behind the plate between Darno and Contreras, who they traded to the Brewers, than any team in baseball. And Darno was someone that pitchers love throwing to, and that wasn't the problem. Or maybe it was. I mean, I, I, they had the best bullpen uh, in the National League last year. Everything looked good. I, I don't understand why they needed to detonate what they had behind the plate. I understand why the Cardinals spent over $80 million behind the plate. A Hall of Famer retired. But I didn't understand the need to do this. They felt that it was a, a, a spot they could get better at. I just don't know. I look at this, and I don't want to bury Sean Murphy because I think he's a very talented guy. But I'm a bit hesitant and concerned. This could be a James McCann 2.0. Remember James McCann got yeah. over $40 million, had one really good year with the White Sox, and then the Mets decided just recently they paid him to go to the Orioles. They're paying the rest of the freight so he doesn't play for them. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but to me, I wouldn't be shocked if Sean Murphy hit two twenty three with 14 home runs next year, playing every day. So um, curb your enthusiasm with the Sean Murphy deal. I don't think it puts the Braves over the top in, in any way, shape, or form. Greg, you remember the 1997 Cardinals. They came back with the exact same team, and Walt Jockety, after that team failed, he said, you know, I made a mistake because every year you need to turn things over a little bit. There's got to be a little bit of churn in the clubhouse, and that's one of the things that Mo wants to do every single year. He doesn't want to bring the same group back. Well, I have a ton of respect for Alex Anthopoulos, as do you. They aren't going to have the opportunity in Atlanta for that churn over the course of the next three or four years. I wonder how it'll work out with having essentially the same group come back year after year after year. It is really interesting that you bring that up. Uh, The fact that they have got log jams at every spot, which to me, it makes the Atlanta Braves a toy that Alex Anthopoulos has always loved playing with. What do I mean by that? A farm system. Alex Anthopoulos is usually annoyed by top 20 prospects lists and stuff like that. He's not into it. He loves trading those guys. He did it in Toronto. They were always an all-in team. He depleted their farm system when Shapiro and his group took over. I, I see the same thing happening here. There's just no upward mobility in the rotation, in the in the position player lineup he's got, maybe in the bullpen, maybe. But I, you're, they're log jams, man. If you're a young position player and you're an Atlanta Brave, good luck. 
Vaughn Grissom is not even 23 years old. He's going to be the shortstop there for a really long time. Ozzie Albies, mid-20s. Matt Olson locked up for years to come. Mm-hmm. Austin Riley's never leaving third. Now you got Murphy behind the plate, Harris in center field, Acuna. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I agree with you. You need that incentive to go out and make sure you earned your spot uh, on, on a team. Lars Newtbar wants to earn the right field spot for the St. Louis Cardinals. Paul, Tyler O'Neill still wants to prove himself that he's a starting everyday player. Tommy Edmond is still going to try to prove all this talk of the Cardinals. You need a shortstop. No, I'm one of the best shortstops in the National League. That's an important thing. And he gave that away by keeping everybody for a long, long time. We'll see how that works out. Hey, Greg, let's stay in the NL East and, and go up to New York. What is going on with the Mets and Carlos Correa? It's, it's an ongoing soap opera. I was on the show yesterday, MLB Tonight, and just kind of walked everyone through a timeline of the Carlos Correa saga. I remember he was drafted number one overall. I was hosting the draft. He was on the set with me. He was 17 years old. Uh, it was a bit surprising that he was number one. And then all of a sudden we saw him in the minor leagues, and we're like, well, this guy needs to be number one. He's the best talent available. And then he breaks his lower leg, um, a la Anthony Rendon. He did it twice when he played for the Rice Owls in college. And and they put a plate in his leg. Apparently, that surgery was botched. Apparently, it wasn't done properly. So they're looking at this big six foot four shortstop, and they're going down the line. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be an issue. I, I, if I'm Carlos Correa, I don't know. How, first off, we're going to get into this tonight. I, I'm hosting the show again tonight. His days as a shortstop are over. The second he opened Pandora's box and said, I'll play third base for the Mets, I'll play third. We got Francis Galera. I'll play third base. Once that happened, and now two teams are apprehensive to a long-term contract because of this, this surgery that he had, that he hasn't missed a day since he came back from the 2014 incident. He hasn't missed a day due to this injury. But it looks so bad inside his leg that they're, they're apprehensive to sign him long-term. He's never playing shortstop again. Wherever he goes, if this falls apart and he goes to the Dodgers, if it falls apart and he goes to the Red Sox, the Red Sox will probably play him there for one year, then move him to third when they trade Devers away because they're not going to keep him. It's This, to me, means you'll never see this guy long-term be a shortstop, and he's a former Gold Glove Award winner. He entered free agency looking for his one big bite of the apple. Now he better take it no matter what apple it is. It could be a Fuji apple, a Granny Smith apple, a Red Delicious apple. He better bite it because if he does it, he's never going to come close to getting a 10-year deal again. So the money's going to go south. He'll be, it'll be under $300 million when he finally agrees to terms. Who knows which team it's going to be with. But Carlos Correa has now been branded as slightly damaged goods, and I feel for the guy. Greg, Rich Hill is going to turn 43 in March. He made 26 starts for the Red Sox last year. Signed a one-year $8 million deal with the Pirates. To, and by the way, they'll trade him at the deadline if he does anything for him. Is that a guy that the Cardinals should have been looking at for a one-year $8 million deal? Um, no. No. I think there's a better way to allocate that money. Uh, I, I think having extra weapons in the bullpen. We saw Adam Adovino. I was actually kind of pulling for Adam Adovino to go to the Cardinals, believe Me it or not. Me too. I was too. I, 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 all of the talk of him you know, being someone that Buck Showalter was afraid to go to in the later stages of the season, they were real. He was struggling in, in the postseason and in the end of September, but he was used a lot. He almost threw 70 innings. He had a career year. ERA over two. K per nine, almost at 11. And he only got $7.25 million a year. 
And that's really a one-year deal player option uh, for the second year. He's not going to pick that up because he's going to have another good year. Uh, he's 37 years old. I, w- I think the Cardinals can allocate $8 million for more swing and miss, which is what, you're not getting that with Rich Hill. You're getting a guy that hopefully has an ERA under four and a half. Um, that's going to give you some innings. To me, the Cardinals are in, in, in too much of a hot seat to win to have a guy like that. While he is a different look, he, Jose Quintana threw much harder than this guy is going to throw. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a unique bird to be 43 years old, entering age 43 years season is awesome. Good for him. But now I, I think the Cardinals need to keep the starters they have. I know everyone wants another starter, but at this day and age, you could, if you can find swing and miss and bring it in with no shift anymore, Go get the swing and miss if you can find it. And, Greg, I agree with you. That was brought up on social media that the Cardinals should have signed him. And here's the thing. The Pirates signed him to trade him at the deadline, just like they traded Quintana to the Cardinals last year. If, if he's healthy and pitching and the Cardinals need a starter at the deadline, then they go out and get him. Yeah, but I, I just don't think Rich Hill is – I mean, his hard hit rate is, is, is towards you know the top in the game. I mean, Guys hit him hard. No, they'll, they'll also swing and miss sometimes. His, his K for nine is slightly under eight last year, which is a good year for him. He doesn't throw hard. Um, it's all about different arm angles. He's a tricking pitcher. Well, Quintana is, is, is much more conventional and obviously was outstanding for St. Louis. I just think a lot of people look at the lefty thing, veteran thing, and they go, oh, they're similar guys. No, 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 no. Quintana, much more a number three, number two, potentially when he's right. Whereas Rich Hill at the stage of his career is at number five, and that's all you're getting. Uh, great competitor, but I don't think that's what you go get when you're in September and you're trying to win the NL Central, pull it away from the Brewers. I just don't think Rich Hill would ever be the answer. Greg Amsinger on with us on Wednesday because he's traveling on Thursday. You got a trip going. What's going on? Well, so you know me. I try to come up with the best gifts possible for Christmas. And I also love gifts that I can give other people that also benefit me. So, <laughs> well done. So, uh, I surprised my son with a golf trip. Now, my son is a really competitive junior golfer. He's 12. And I'm like, hey, buddy, this is big. We're leaving on the 29th happy anniversary, baby, to my wife. <laughs> she left New Orleans. So, we're going to go have a romantic dinner in New Orleans and then golf on. His, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday every morning because I love my son. I want to golf for my son. You, you know really I mean? know. You, you know how to get Erica uh, the perfect <laughs> gift, Greg. Right, exactly. I, really, it just shows my strengths of, 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 of being a great husband and amazing father. And I'm going to grind through. I'm going to grind through, you know. But that's why I'm going uh, Thursday to New Orleans. Okay, so uh, you have to keep this in mind for the bride as well. Today is National Chocolate Candy Day. Greg Amzinger's National Chocolate Candy of choice. Ooh. This is, I, I wish I was more sophisticated. I, I genuinely do. It is a tie between Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and Crunch Bars. Mm. Is that, it's very wrong. Halloween-y of me, yeah, right? But, like but, it's, <laughs> it's not mature in any way, shape, or form. Um, I, I'm sure people expected much more sophistication, but I can. if you gave me a Crunch Bar and a Reese's peanut butter cup, a bowl of both. Uh, I've got love handles for days. <laughs> Greg, when uh, last Easter, Michelle was doing the show with me, and I don't know if you remember, remember this, but I ate a one-pound Reese's bunny during the first hour of the show. 
According, the most disgusting thing. <laughs> according to Michelle, he was really in a food coma, coma for the next two hours. She had to, she had oh, to help him. My through. head was spinning. It was not pleasant. <laughs> Michelle needed a vacation after that show. I'm envisioning a chocolate ring around your mouth. You're constantly. And you're just like, your eyes are rolling back in your head and you're begging for milk. Please give me milk. Like, that's the most disgusting thing ever. It was delicious, oh. though. Those 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 bunnies, those chocolate bunnies, my brothers love those things. They'd be in the fridge for like six months and every once in a while my brother Rich would pull it out and like <laughs> nibble on his ear and then put it back in. And like this is the most disgusting food I've ever seen. But I'm glad you ate the entire thing in one sitting. Well done, Randy. Well done. And I'll tell you this. The one-pound bunny specifically, the chocolate to peanut butter ratio is the best that Reese's makes it. So if you ever get the opportunity, get the one-pound bunny and just keep it in the fridge. Yeah. That's you, know what I love? you know what I love about Randy Carricker's delivery? You have no idea that he's not talking about sports. He talks about everything the same way he talks about the Cardinals lineup and who should be hitting third. You know what's amazing about the Reese's Bunny? It's got the best peanut butter to chocolate ratio. I think John Mose locks you'd have one in every locker. Craig, you are, and you know I, I feel this way, you are the absolute best at what you do, so I'm, I'm thrilled for you and thrilled for America that we get to enjoy your work on MLB Network for the next four years. And uh, right when things happened with, with Dan, I texted you right away because I, I would dearly love to have you back in St. Louis, but for America's sake and the baseball fans of America's sake, it's great to have you still in that chair for at least the next four years. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. You've made a huge impact on my career, one of the mentors of my career. And, you know, when you find something good, like you know, and you've told me this many times, you know, you can't take it for granted. And I, I do not take what I have at MLB Network for granted. It's a dream job. I enjoy it every single day, including tonight, to tune into MLB Network. Once again, I'll be on with all my buddies talking about baseball like I do every night. But uh, I enjoy it, and I really appreciate those kind words, buddy. We'll be tuned in. Happy New Year, and have a great trip. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care, guys. See you, buddy. Take care. Greg Amsinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. Again, staying at MLB Network, uh, the Cardinals and he did have discussions, but he assigned a new four-year deal with MLB Network. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, CD, how are you sleeping these days? You sleeping okay? I've been sleeping pretty well. Okay, I, I mean, Randy, I slept great the the four days we had off. I uh-huh. don't tell you that. You're was thinking a, about waking up in the morning. Oh, yeah. I, I was actually worried that I might ha- actually accidentally set my alarm on one of the days where we didn't have to be here. That was like one of my greatest fears. Just waking up early <laughs> yeah. on a day where I didn't have to, but I, I, I was okay. Okay, so I know this sounds bizarre because mm-hmm. it is. All right, so I woke up this morning at 3.30. Okay. 
And I started thinking to myself, you know, I wonder if the elimination of the shift is going to allow somebody to hit 3.30 again. So take it or leave it. The elimination of the shift will allow a hitter to hit 3.30 in 2023. I'll take it. How ridiculous is that? Well, your mind is always going. That That is a true uh, sports enthusiast, the guy that does, you you literally eat, sleep, and drink sports. I like looked it. at the clock and I thought, somebody's going to hit 3.30. You're drinking, you're, you're, you're drinking, eating, and sleeping these sports. You're, you're way Waking up in the middle, Randy. You know what? When I played, I used to I used to uh, talk in my sleep, and I would be calling out plays and uh, move. Perfect. Right, right. Like I would. It, all, it happened often. That is great, though. It, it it is like that was people. You're you're talking in your sleep. I'm saying sound like you're calling plays. I, I probably am. I'm, I'm. This is just what I do. I've been thinking about this all day. What I need to do on this specific yeah. play and where I need to go, and so yeah, I call it. I could call it in my sleep. So you were good if you were if you were sleeping through a meeting. I could. I was good. <laughs> <laughs> no one would know. <laughs> Randy, speaking of football, uh, the Hall of Fame safety Ed Reed mm-hmm. just took the head coaching job at Bethune Cookman. You've had uh, Deion Sanders at Jackson State. You have Eddie George at Tennessee State, mm-hmm. which I don't think a lot of people know. And now right. you have. Um, Ed Reed at, at Bethune-Cookman. Take it or leave it. You will see more former NFL players taking head coaching jobs at HBCUs. I'm going to take that because they know that they can make an impact on young men mm-hmm. and on the community and on those schools, and they, they can make people's lives better. And there are people that have pure thoughts. Deion Sanders went to Jackson State with, with pure thoughts to improve people's lives. Ed Reed, anybody who's ever watched an interview with Ed Reed, you know what kind of guy he is, right? Yes. If you never with Eddie George. If you never seen the video of Ed Reed talking about picking up paper in the locker room, I, I suggest you all yeah. go look at yeah. it because that that is essentially what great teams have. They have leaders that the piece of paper that's on the ground that was two feet from the trash can that you decided to leave right there is the reason why some people, that's not why we're losing. That is why you're losing because you don't take care of the minor details. So the, the major details you definitely aren't going to take care of. Um, so it, it I think he is going to be. I think he's going to be a great coach. He's a leader of men, and even though he is a Raven, that's how, <laughs> how I'll always see him. I know he played for a few other teams. I am. I am rooting for him because I think he's going to do an outstanding job. And I love the. And you're one of these guys. There are a lot of players in football that want to lift others and use their platform and their knowledge to lift others. And I, I can see a lot more guys, like you say, doing that. Yeah, I, I think it will be. Hopefully, good. Uh, him. All right. The text line six five seven eight zero. Matthew, what do we got? Take it or leave it. You wish Randy was your real uncle. I'll take that any day of the week. We all love Uncle Randy. Your nephew, Mark. Oh, I'll take that. Mark, thank you. Uncle Randy great, great probably advice. gives out great gifts and great advice at Kidding family me. gatherings. He's probably... Are you that I, uncle? Or are you the uncle that just is cracking oh yeah. jokes and... and yeah, I kind of... I'm the cool... I hope to be the cool uncle. I'm not, I won't say I am. I hope to be. I can see you. I think I'm the cool uncle. uncle. Randy, you no, you're no, there's no question. I think I'm the cool yeah. uncle. You, any uncle who's, who, if you go to him for the advice, first of all, is going to yeah. play an Al Pacino sounder, but also <laughs> is going to hit you with, with you know, the, the things that you hit, hit us with the, the last, you know, few times. I mean, we got a, you know, relationship advice a few weeks ago that made uh, the entirety of St. Louis almost drive, drive into a ditch on 270 because it was so funny. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think you'd be great, Uncle Randy. That's why we do this segment. Uh, take it or leave it. When he is on his game, Carson Wentz gives the commanders a better chance to win than former St. Louis Blackhawk. Battlehawk. Battlehawk. Black you said Hawk? Blackhawk? Battlehawk. Taylor Heineke. Leave that. Have, that they, have they not watched football over the past three years? The last time Carson Wentz 
was a was a a quarterback that could lead you to a championship potentially was when he was with the Eagles mm-hmm. when he was in on his way to being MVP before he tore his ACL and that's the year they won the Super Bowl 2017. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, right. That, that's been yep. a while. And he I, has not been a a good quarterback since. And Gary, if then. I'm not mistaken, I think I saw a stat last week that in the last decade, Taylor Heineke has the highest winning percentage of any. Redskins t- football team commanders Com- quarterback. Really? Yeah. Wow. Last decade? Yeah, it's like 569 winning percentage. That's not great for them. Jason Campbell, maybe? They've been through a lot. Yeah, of them. they've been through a lot of them. It's been bad. Um, take it or leave it because of the shift. Matt Carpenter will be an all star again. I'm going to take it. Really? Yeah. Is he was he that? was he the one on your mind at 330 he thinking was, he's going to he, hit 330? He was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> he was one of them. Randy I, I is dreaming to, about matters hitting three thirty without the shift. I, I wanna, love it. I want to leave it, but honestly, I don't think he's gonna be an all star. But not a lot of the, there's not a lot of those home runs were were Yankee Stadium specific. He, no, you know he, we make a lot of jokes, but you know he wasn't feeding off the low porch, and so not an all star. But he, I think he's gonna have a legitimate he, season. Again. He had a pretty good season last year before he, he broke his foot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so if you are taking out the shift, which is Really, I think what became his demise, teams were, were if you got a guy sitting in short right field, he, he was going to struggle. And so now that they're not going to be out there, uh, he may, I don't know if all-star, because that, that seems, how old is Matt Carpenter now? 37? 37. Yep. Yeah. I, and I, with, with the Padres, big ballpark, you know, he'll. You think you think he's going to hit some, have some, some doubles? Some, yeah, some, I think he'll get back to being that kind of a hitter. Especially the combination of no shift and the pitch clock, which we've talked about reducing velocity, and people try to throw that sinker low and away again. He'll go the other way. I think he'll be pretty good. I'm going to leave it just because I think being an all-star is a stretch, but I think he will have a very good year. Yeah. By the way, Sam Musial used to say that people would ask him why he was always so happy and laughing all the time. He said, if you woke up every morning and knew you were going to hit 331, you'd be happy too. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's a bar. I love it. Oh, that's a fantastic. Uh, I have to just get this one out here because uh, my uh, the reaction to it's going to be funny. Take it or leave it. Everyone talks about Randy or Rosarena, but they really should be talking about Adolis Garcia. Uh, I'm going to leave that. Leave it. Yeah. Leave the guy no. they should be talking about is Sandy Alcantara, which everybody does. Yes. But also... Rosarena is a better player than Garcia. Uh, also... No, the whole you can't blame the Cardinals for backing out on Adoles Garcia when all of baseball did it twice. Yeah. Th- right. th- them them giving up on Adoles Garcia and him sparking with the Rangers the second time the Rangers got a look at him because they also released him. That doesn't say anything bad about the Cardinals' talent management or talent evaluation sectors. Everyone in baseball gave up on him twice. If anything, if you really want to harp on one, Rosarina is a much better example than Adolis Garcia. I don't understand people who bring that up. And really by the don't. way, if we are going to spend multiple years talking about the Rays getting Randy Rosarena and blaming John Mozeliak, then if Moises Gomez is effective as a Cardinal, Cardinals picked him up off the scrap heap from the Rays. Last year, Moises, Mo- Moises Gomez had... 39 homers, 25 doubles, 94 RBIs, uh, slash 294, 371, 624. If Moises Gomez winds up being a very good major league player like Randy Rosarena is, then we should get three or four years of just unbelievable syrupy praise for John Mozeliak for making that pickup. Uh, that's not how double standards work. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. Darn it. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy.
Coming up next on 101 ESPN, you got Mizzou and Kentucky tonight. After the win over Illinois, what sort of uh, an impact and a statement could Mizzou make with a win? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Blues hockey can be heard exclusively on 101 ESPN. Get the info you need before and after every Blues game with a First Community Credit Union pre- and post-game show. First Community for all your savings and all your loans. And presented by Auto Center's Herculaneum Used Car Super Center and Heritage Heating and Cooling. This is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Sumner One. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Last week, Mizzou wrapped up their pre-conference schedule with a victory over the Fighting Illini. Tonight, Mizzou takes on Kentucky at Her- uh, Hearns Arena. Come on. Mizzou Arena. <laughs> the Hearns Center. I was talking to somebody about the Hearns Center last night, actually. And that's why it came up. Mizzou, Kerry, uh, is second among Power 5 conference teams in scoring. In their 12 games, they've averaged 88.8 points a game. The only Power 5 team averaging more is Arizona at 90.2 and this could be a watershed game for Dennis Gates and the Tigers. Now, Kentucky plays good defense. John Calipari's teams always do. They're averaging about 78 per game, so about 10 points fewer per game than Mizzou. But if Mizzou can run like they did against the Illini, they really can play with anybody. It's just a matter of hitting their shots. Yeah, the, the pace that they play with, it is, it's frenetic. They, they're going, going, they're fast, and if they're hitting their shots, they're going to have a chance to, to win or be in most games. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if if Kentucky tries to play at that pace or if they try to slow it down. Normally, Kentucky teams are up and down and able to to play and run with anybody, and they always have the five-star, four-star talents, mm-hmm. the one-and-done type of kids. Uh, Oscar Toshibwe is, is, a, is a stud. Um, most people, I think, were surprised that he came back for another year. Um, so it's going to be the pace – it's going to be important for Mizzou to stay and play at their pace, but are they able to hit those shots? And if they're not, if they're not turning the ball over, um, making sure that they get back on defense and not allow Kentucky to get do what they normally do in, in, in college basketball, which is be fantastic. And Mizzou doesn't have a Toshibwe-type player, do they? But they have five guys averaging double figures, but they don't have – that five-star, one-and-done type guy. Randy, you, you, I don't know if you ask the line. I, Kobe Brown is, seems he, to be that Toshibwe type player versus us. He's pretty good. He got 30. <laughs> yeah, 30? I'm still struggling with that, Randy. It's not been a oh, full I thought, week. I, I thought you had gotten over it. I, I, I thought I had till you mentioned it in the break, and then it brought me back down to, to where I'm at. But, no, Mizzou played an outstanding game. They beat the hell up on Illinois last week. And, you know, hopefully they can they can still they can build on that, um, that momentum that they gained from that game last week with uh, Kentucky coming into town. Yeah, for me it's all, all about, you know, can you, can you put this, this frenetic – 
pace on offense that's working really well. Obviously, a t- you know fourth in scoring, and can you turn it again into defense? They're three they're three hundred fifty sixth of the nation in forcing turnovers. Mm-hmm. They're three hundred fourteenth in the nation in points allowed. I mean, every every good offensive stat that's you know top one hundred. There's a flip reverse bottom fifty on the defensive side. So can they take that pace and start creating havoc from it? You know, maybe not even like a Mike Anderson level, but just more of a of, of a you know cohesive defensive level like they did against Illinois it's going to be tough against a team like Kentucky but if they can start making that shift I'll start buying it a little bit more because I just wonder I don't know if a college team especially tournament time can win games trying to score 88. I do think though regardless of how they do it if they wind up if Mizzou winds up beating Kentucky around the country basketball people are going to have to take note they'll say oh they beat Illinois and Kentucky back to back to me, this is a statement game for Dennis Gates. And by the way, the next game after that, they have number nine Arkansas coming up on January 4th. So you've got three big ranked teams in a row that you're taking on. And if you can win this game tonight, I have to believe that they'll be ranked because at the moment the Tigers are 11-1, and so you get to 12-1. and And then if you could beat Arkansas at home, and I know that I'm, I'm dreaming big here, then you've got Vandy, A&M, and Florida as your next three after that. So I, I think that this is an intriguing jumping off point for I, the Tigers. I was really surprised that they weren't in the top 25 after the Illinois win. I thought that, especially not just beating them, but in the manner that they beat them. They they took Illinois to the woodshed. They did not give us an opportunity at any point in that game. I think you said we were up 12 to 10 at one point, and that, mm-hmm, yeah. that was it. And then all of a sudden it was 30 <laughs> it to 15. Was, and then it was 50 to, to 30 at, yeah. at halftime. It, felt, it, it was a it was a whooping. So I'm surprised that they were not um, in the top 25. But if they are able to win this game, they definitely definitely will be. Their only loss being to a, a KU team that you know they, they they thumped them pretty good. But they are they seem to be a a very good basketball team. And I I guess my question is what changed from last year to this year? Obviously the coaching change mm-hmm. happened, and, and you got some different players in there, but. It seems the 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 mindset and the philosophy. Kwanzo, Kwanzo Martin, I thought was a good coach. Great, I thought he did a, coach, yeah. a, a good job in recruiting. Um, but for whatever reason, they struggled mightily last season. And now you're looking at this program, and they look completely different. Here's the thing with Kwanzo, and this is kind of an exaggeration, but they would average 88 points every two games. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't score, you can't win, I you guess. You use the word philosophy. Yeah. And the, philosophically, they have changed dramatically. Because he was he's a defense, Conzo, yeah. defense first coach. Not that Gates doesn't want them to play defense, but Gates wants these kids to have fun. And that's what he recruited. He got the junior, and by the way, the Juco player of the year, hasn't even really found his, his sea legs yet at mm-hmm. Mizzou. But he did a great job of using the transfer portal and changing the culture of that program and ultimately they will wind up playing good defense right now it's just fun to watch yeah i mean if you look at the top 11 players on the roster uh two of them are conzo martin players one of them is a conzo martin recruit nathan shaw or era i guess i should say but i mean and then the other one and then the 11th player is kobe brown's little brother so it's like i mean the entire roster is is new and transfers and credit to dennis gates the you know when you look at his career you always are going to look back on on the Florida State years and how well he was able to help Leonard Hamilton recruit and that's what we're going to lean on and so him being able to do it on the fly like this with graduate transfers is one or in the transfer portal is one thing it's gonna be interesting to see how he actually builds the program long term. game tonight Mizzou and Kentucky at six o'clock on SEC Network. Is Mizzou a team that has a chance to make a real run in the tournament? This year no. 
No, I don't think so. Just I, because even even though the pace that they play at, you don't think that could be a shock to to some team systems when they when they step on the court with them. I don't think they can win with, with what they have going against the top sixty eight teams in America. I don't think that they can win six or seven games in a row with the, the way they play. I think they can make a little bit of a run. I think mm-hmm. they can get into the second weekend. But once you are going against teams that have the multiple five-star guys who are committed defensively, right. I think it's really going to be difficult. That's Kerry. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. Coming up, Bernie Federico joins us, and we'll talk some blues on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, where Hall of Famer Bernie Federko is standing by. He, of course, is your pregame and intermission and postgame analyst for St. Louis Blues Hockey on Bally Sports. Was in the building last night for the Blues 5-4 overtime loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Good morning, Bernie. How you doing? Good, Randy. How are you guys? Everything's great. And I, I was telling Carrie earlier, if you would have told me last night that the Blues would have gotten four goals against Toronto with the way things are going, I would I would have felt pretty good. It's a different Toronto team, and obviously, as we know now, a different Blues team. What was your, your, your general impression of the game last night? Well, it was very entertaining. Uh, to have uh, nine goals scored in a game is always fun. I, I like watching offensive hockey. Uh, I uh, was very impressed with Toronto. They're, they are a, a much better team than... They have been in the past. I mean, 115 points last year, but I, I do really believe that they are much better uh, defensively, even though that they gave up four goals last night. Um, but I, I like the way the Blues really kept coming back. Uh, Toronto's, you know, very aggressive uh, uh, with their offense, and, and every time the Blues got behind, they were able to uh, pick away, especially after they gave up the shorthanded goal. They were down a couple of goals. I think you had to turn around and um, maybe just quit at that point in time, but they kept battling, and then and, and they were able to get a point last night. It would have been nice to get two, obviously, uh, but they still stayed at 500, Randy, and I think right now with all the games that they have left at home, I mean, they played, what, five more games on the road than they have at home. They've got to get the home record a little bit better, but uh, I think this is a step in the right direction, and um, hopefully that they can you know, start I mean, after they get two more at home there, then they go on that one more road trip, and then they've got an awful lot of home games that hopefully they can play some catch-up hockey. Hey, Bernie, the Blues have given up 15 goals in their last three games. How do they fix that? It's just a matter of uh, just attention to detail, Kerry, more than anything else. I mean, uh, you know, again, uh, to me, when you give up a shorthanded goal the way they did last night, I mean, that's kind of a lack of concentration. I mean, you've got to understand that uh, there's even though you're on the power play, you still have to outwork the shorthanded team. you got to make sure that uh, you know that, hey, they're very capable of scoring, scoring some shorthanded goals. Every team is. So if you uh, lose your concentration or you just kind of um, you lose your effort for a moment, uh, you can get burned. And I think that's what happened last night. But these little things like that, 
uh, are, are things that, that cause you to, to give up goals. And, and we've been seeing so much of that. I mean, you miss an assignment, you miss a back check, or you miss uh, having your stick in a lane uh, where a pass is made. So it's just the little things that you've got to do a little bit better. And, and the Blues have, have done too much of that this year. And, I mean, luckily, their goaltending has been so good. I mean, last night, Bennington was absolutely outstanding. Uh, he kept them in and in, in spots where, you know, other goalies might have given up goals. But uh, they've just got to be better at, at those little things, and they've got to really clean up uh, the mistakes that they make in their own in their own zone especially. Hey, Bernie, when you give up a shorthanded goal like that, is that uh, more deflating than if you were uh, on the penalty kill and, and giving up a goal? Well, I mean, obviously the power play is out there. Um, you know, the power play is going to score more goals than, than you are going to be shorthanded, obviously. But um, I think, uh, you know, what uh, my attitude or our attitude almost all the time, if you give up a shorthanded goal, you got to try to try to get one right back. I mean, if it's early in the in the power play, you got to get one right back then. And, and if you get the power play goal and to offset the shorthanded goal, it's like you didn't score on the power play at all. Mm-hmm. So it, you basically come out even. So, uh, the Blues were not able to do it on the on the original uh, uh, power play that they gave up the shorthanded goal, but they did get one later. So really, when you look at special teams last night, it was dead even. The Blues had a power play goal. They gave up a shorthanded goal. Uh, so it was really five on five. They lost the game last night. Well, in overtime, three on three. But at even strength, that's where they lost the game last night. Hey, Bernie, when you lose a player that has the skill set that Tor- uh, Tory Krug has, and he was ostensibly the quarterback of the power play, uh, you been on the power play throughout your Hall of Fame career. Do the Blues need to change anything schematically because of the difference in skill sets between uh, a Krug, a Pareko, a Falk, or can they they do the same thing with the the other guys? Well, you don't have to change somewhat the schematics of it, Randy, especially if you're using a right-handed shot back there. You know, Krug is a left-handed shot, so if you don't have that guy, um, a left-hander, to set up your power play, yeah, you have to change things around a little bit because I mean, you kind of almost need uh, to have guys on the off wing, you know, right-handed shot on the left side, left-handed shot on the right side, so at least you can, you know, get some one-timer so that the goaltender can't come across and make the save, get more time to do that. So, I mean, I think you even see that with with Toronto. I mean, Toronto is, uh, you know, they've been, uh, you know, without one of their top defensemen the the whole time, too, in in, uh, Morgan Riley, and he's kind of been the quarterback of their power play, and they've kind of changed things around there, and I think you see some miscommunication and some things happen like you had you know Austin Matthews on the left side instead of the right side which surprised me uh, last night um and you know we're seeing Tarasenko still on the left side um so there's there's things that you have to change around so that you can get the guys in, in position but um you know you the Blues do have some practice time now I think that's mm-hmm. the good news right now even I mean next week they've got four games in in the week but this week they've got you know days off in between these games that they can work on uh, the little things in the power play so that you can get things, uh, uh, you know, a little more smooth. But uh, it, it is going to take take a little bit uh, to get, the, the, the I guess, the, the pro- proper uh, chemistry out there. But, but yeah, the, the, it does change a little bit. What do you think of Kairou setting up in that Ovechkin office on the left side in the circle during the, on the power play? Well, yeah, he's been, he's been doing that. I mean, the, the whole thing is that, uh, you know, uh, he's really not the real one-timer guy. No. I mean, he's, He's got quick release. I mean, Ovechkin is kind of just that one guy going to you know get in the opening and just pound it every time he comes over there. And uh, you know, Jordan's more of a finesse guy where he he'll stick handle it a little bit, but he he can uh, 
you know, one time. And so, I mean, they'll probably try doing that. I mean, I think they're going to continue to try an awful lot of different things, but it's it just, it's a matter of time uh, to, to get it to work properly, but there's plenty of skill on the team uh, to get it done. And, and it, it just takes a, a little bit more time than, than maybe we're seeing. Hey, Bernie, with Krug being out, does that put any more pressure on any particular defenseman, uh, any defenseman in particular, or is it just a collective effort from all of them? Well, I don't know if you want to call it pressure. I mean, it, 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 everyone's going to have to step up a little more, but I think it did. It does put a little more pressure on, on, on obviously, on Falk. I mean, he's the guy that has played with Krug uh, the entire year. So, I mean, I thought Rosen did a really good job last night playing with Falk. So, uh, I would assume that we'll see some mixing and ma- matching. We'll probably see Tucker come in a little bit, and uh, things will move around. But, I mean, these are part of the game. I mean, we all talk about injuries all the time. It's unfortunate especially to be out long-term, you know, six or whatever weeks it's going to be. And if he's out six weeks, it might be longer. So uh, there is a, obviously, uh, a, a, you know, a, a miss of, of having a guy like that, uh, the capability, especially offensively in the power play. But there's nothing you can do about it. You only have so much skill on your team, and, and you got to have someone else step up. And it's going to be up to the entire defensive core uh, to try to help, us, help out as much as they can. Finally, Bernie, back when you played in, in my younger days, when the Blackhawks would come to town, we'd literally see red because you were wearing white at home. If for no other reason than that, teams should wear white at home so that we can see the Blackhawks in their red. I would agree, Randy. I'd like to see that the, the uh, NHL go back to having the whites at home or, or do it every other other year or something, change it around. Uh, I think the, the the fans love to, to wear the the white jerseys as much as they do the blue ones for the for for uh, you know after us and I'm sure the Hawks feel the same way so I, I don't know why the league has has stayed with the darks at home and I, I'd like to see the the whites a little bit more and uh, even though you know, the Hawks are struggling this year they're still they, they're obviously very capable of still winning they're an NHL team so I think that this will still be a fun game tomorrow night uh, I, I think that the Hawks will be uh, ready to play, and the Blues certainly you know can't take the Hawks lightly because of their record. So it's still going to be a fun. We'll still see some Chicago jerseys in the in the stands mm-hmm. tomorrow night, and and they, it will still it'll get it'll get uh, uh, nasty if it has to, which is always fun. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> Bernie Federico. Happy New Year! Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you in 2023. Thanks, fellas. You have Happy New Year too, as well. Take care. That's the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico on 101 ESPN. Bobby Plager used to talk about how. They'd be standing in the face-off circle in the early days. Mm-hmm. The players would be standing in the face-off circle, looking up into the upper deck with, and uh, watching the fans fight. <laughs> yeah. Usually, the fans are showing up to watch the players right. fight. Right? They're watching and those. They're, guys they're in watching the, the fights fight. up in the stands. I thought it was the best thing ever. Uh, that's Kerry. I'm Randy. That was Bernie Federico. Coming up next, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. ESPN is everywhere. Wherever you go, we go. The 101 ESPN app in your app store or Google Play. When it's a new year, I like to think about jewelry in a new way. I'm a Shane Company jewelry consultant, and I love how one piece of jewelry can hold so much meaning. It can mark a moment, symbolize a new adventure, or simply remind you of a personal goal. At Shane Company, our jewelry is created with an artisan's eye and a master jeweler's touch. We design it ourselves and offer a free lifetime warranty. With styles in every price range, it'll be easy and fun to find something that's meaningful to you. Have you seen our peach morganite jewelry set in our signature shade of rose gold? It's gorgeous, a reflection of how you'll feel wearing it. The butterfly is a symbol of hope and transformation, and our butterfly necklace shines with vibrant sapphires and diamonds. 
opals are believed to promote creativity, and Shane Company opals are chosen for their mesmerizing colors. Come in and try on anything that catches your eye. Find something beautiful that's an expression of you. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company and ShaneCo.com. Does your furnace grumble like it's recently possessed? Or has too many pumpkin guts put your garbage disposal in distress? Holy call Hoffman Brothers! Hoffman Brothers is the place to call to chase away those gremlins that invade your heating, cooling, sewer and drains, air ducts, plumbing, electrical, appliances, and more. With fast, friendly service that won't scare you. Holy call Hoffman Brothers! 314-664-3011 or go to hoffmanbros.com. You work hard to keep your business running. Let Sumner One manage your office technology solutions. Learn how they can improve your productivity today at SumnerOne.com. That's SumnerOne.com. When you need Blues tickets this season, be sure to check out my friends at Tickets for Less. Shop online at ticketsforless.com or in person at their new office inside the Rally House at Brentwood Point off of Highway 40. Tickets for Less is your number one source for Blues tickets in St. Louis. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And we have a new contestant today. Yesterday's uh, contest went into went into overtime. Finally, finally, finally got your overtime question, your, yeah. your, your tie question. I wasn't off. as happy last night when I said that. I was like, <laughs> oh man, I gotta make a new one. Our contestant today is Garrett. Garrett, how are you doing this morning? Doing all right, guys. Thanks. You ready to go? Absolutely. All right, here we go. On this day in NFL history, the first and only team clinched a winless season going 0-16. Which franchise achieved this unfortunate feat? Was it the Cincinnati Bengals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or the Detroit Lions? Uh, Detroit. Which former Cardinal pitcher holds the record as the greatest MLB journeyman playing for a record 14 different franchises? Is that Ray King, Octavio Dotel, or Edwin Jackson? Ooh. Uh, Edwin Jackson. Happy soon to be retirement for J.J. Watt. Watt is one of only two players in post-NFL, post-merger NFL history to have multiple receiving touchdowns and multiple interception return touchdowns during their career. Which Hall of Famer is the only other one to do it? Is it Charles Woodson, Roy Green, or Deion Sanders? Let's go with Deion. And today is the anniversary of the first time Hail Mary became a popular term in NFL football when Cowboys quarterback Roger Staubach said, quote-unquote, I closed my eyes and said a Hail Mary and completed the pass to which Cowboys receiver? Was that Drew Pearson, Golden Richards, or Gene Fugette? Drew Pearson. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Garrett, how you feeling? I'm all right. You all right? Okay, that's good. You you sounded pretty confident in your answers. There was no uh, you know, no hesitation on many of them. You, you, you sounded pretty confident. 
I get ready I'll to shoot my shots, right? You got to shoot your shot. You the only way to hit them is if you shoot them. That's right. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Garrett. Garrett, good morning. How you doing? Morning, Randy. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. You ready? Ready. All right. On this day in NFL history, the first and only team clinched a winless season going 0-16. Which franchise achieved this unfortunate feat? Haven't there been two teams that went 0-16? Didn't both Detroit and Cleveland do it? Very good question, Randy. Uh, Hugh, if Hugh Jackson or Hugh, uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackson. Jackson, he went 1-31 over two years, so they had to go 0-16 <laughs> <He did. laughs> one of those years. So, But it was Detroit that was the first to go 0-16. Which former Cardinal holds the record, former Cardinals pitcher, excuse me, holds the record as the greatest MLB journeyman playing for a record 14 different franchises? I think it is, um, oh, it's Edwin Jackson. It was Mike Morgan, actually, but then Edwin Jackson replaced him. Octavio Dotel had a bunch of them, too. But I think Edwin Jackson was, uh, was number one. Happy soon to be retirement for J.J. Watt, planning on retiring at the end of the season. Watt is on, is one of only two players post merger NFL in NFL history to have multiple receiving touchdowns and multiple interception return touchdowns during their career. Which other Hall of Famer is the only one to do it in the Super Bowl era? Is it is that what we said? Yeah, post merger. Post post merger. Okay, so essentially Super Bowl era. Yeah. Well, Dion definitely did it, so it's got to be him, right? Um, multiple interception return touchdowns and receiving touchdowns. I'm stunned that Roy Green wouldn't be on this list, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. Um, and somebody else popped into my mind as a possi- possibility. Oh, uh, I guess Vrabel probably didn't have interception return <laughs> touchdowns, right? And he's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but he did have how many touchdowns receiving? Yeah, like ten. Yeah, how many? We we had that number a while back. Yeah, but Randy was not happy. Yeah, Dion <laughs> did it. So I'll, I'll go. I'll go with Dion Sanders. <laughs> I can't tell if I'm starting to like understand Randy's brain better, or if Randy's starting to understand mine better. But this, there was a conversation in the break about <laughs> whether oh. or not Mike Vrabel was an option for that question. Oh. For that exact reason. All right, uh, Randy, today is the anniversary of the first time Hail Mary became a popular term in NFL football when Cowboys quarterback Roger Straubach said, quote, I closed my eyes and said a Hail Mary and completed the pass to which Cowboys receiver? Drew Pearson. Stupid Cowboys. (laughs) Sorry, Howard Richards. I love you. We we do love Howard. Other than that, you know, we don't worry about the Cowboys. (laughs) All right. We have a tie, mm. ladies and gentlemen. It is it is it is a, a, a you know it's a big tie. You guys got a lot of questions right here, and not very many questions wrong. So we will go to our tiebreaker, and as I do that, I will find another tiebreaker because apparently Garrett and Randy are on their games on this Wednesday hump day, kind of halfway in in the middle of this short week. So we'll go through the rules again. We're gonna say the question. Randy will get a moment to write down his answer. Then Garrett will say his answer. We will then give Randy's answer that he wrote down, and of course it is always closest to the pin. Garrett, do you understand the rules? Yep. All right. You're going to ask me if I understand the rules? Randy, do you understand the rules? I do. Okay. <laughs> I just I just assumed. Okay. Um, 
All right, there are three players tied in NFL history for the most defensive return touchdowns in their careers. Rod Woodson, Charles Woodson, and Darren Sharper are tied with how many total defensive touchdowns in their career. They are all tied with the NFL record. How many total defensive touchdowns in their career? Randy Carricker, do you have your guess written down, sir? Uh, yes. There we go. All right, Randy has his guess. Garrett, what is your guess, sir? 19. What was that again, sir? 1-9. 19. Yep. All right, and we have a winner in this fight, and let's tell you, it was a tough one here. They both got four correct before it took us to the tiebreaker, and we do have a winner here. Randy's answer. I'm not really sure how this works, but Randy's answer to go along with the listener's answer was 12. 12. Randy, the listener answered 19. Randy answered 12. So we have a winner in this fight, which honestly shocked me. I thought you guys were both going to hit this one right on the nose. Who won this fight? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. You know what? I don't think we've ever had a 4-4 tie. So, I mean, Randy, I think... Go crazy, He still gets this. Go crazy. And he got all four right. Now, the caller did as well, which is very impressive, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take away from the fact that Randy did, in fact, get the jack. He got all four correct. Great job, Garrett. Garrett, you got all four correct as well. Unfortunately, you did lose it on the tiebreaker. Let's go through that one really quickly. There are three players tied in NFL history for the most defensive return TDs total, and it is 13. The answer is 13. Randy answered 12. Uh, you answered 19. Uh, Woodson has 12 and 1. Uh, Rod Woodson, Charles Woodson, and Sharper both have 11 and 2 um, interceptions to fumble return touchdowns. And let's go through all the questions here really quickly on this day and NFL history the first the first team clinched a winless season going 0-16 that franchise was unfortunately the Detroit Lions the Browns have since followed them in that ignominious feat the former Cardinal who holds the record for the most franchises played with was in fact Edwin Jackson Octavio Gotel was an option in the question there Randy Mm -hmm. thinking the same thing there and happy retirement announcement for J.J. Watt it is Watt and Deion Sanders the only players in post-merger NFL history to have multiple receiving touchdowns and multiple interception return TDs Deion Sanders by the way had nine uh, interception return TDs and three offensive uh, catches. Roy Green was one of the options to kind of throw off the, the, the Hall of Fame scent. While he had three interceptions, he did not have any return for a touchdown in those mm. first uh, three, four years he played um, the defense for the St. Louis Cardinals. And today's the anniversary of the first time Hail Mary became a popular term in the NFL when Roger Staubach closed his eyes. I closed my eyes and said a Hail Mary and completed that pass to Drew Pearson, which much to Randy's chagrin. And that led to a 4-4 tie in the fight. And of course, you heard our tiebreaker, which Randy won. So Randy wins, but Garrett, an incredible, incredible job in the fight getting all four right. That was very well done. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks a lot, guys. Good job, Garrett. Garrett. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. By the way, can I throw you, throw a stat out for you? Even though the Cleveland Browns had an 0-16 and a 1-15 season, in the five years that they played and had those two years, they still only tied the St. Louis Rams by going 15-65 and 65 <laughs> over five years. Still, uh, the, the, the St. Louis Rams are tied with Cleveland for the worst five-year stretch in the history of the league. And they won one game in two seasons. Yeah. The Browns did. Yeah. That tells, that's pretty bad. Pretty bad stuff. Yep. Coming up.
uh, Robert Thomas joins us here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas, score! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. What a goal by Robert Thomas! It's time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the Opening Drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker with you. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Robert Thomas, Blues Center, is standing by as he is every week here on the opening drive. Good morning, Robert. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. How are you? Good. Okay, you told us last week you were going to try to make it to home for about 36 hours for Christmas. Were you able to battle through travel and get there? Uh, unfortunately not. Um, the weather seemed to win that that battle. So, um, but yeah, gave it a try and um, still had a good Christmas. So can't complain. Good. Hey, Robert, I haven't checked in with you in uh, I think a couple of weeks. How's your fantasy football team holding up? Did you make it to the playoffs? Are you are you preparing for a championship game or, or what are we doing? Yeah, we we had a good run. We made it all the <laughs> way to the semis and uh, lost last weekend. So um, that's unfortunate. But you know. What? It was a good season. Who beat you? Uh, O'Reilly. Okay. Got a good team. Yeah, okay. I, I lost in the semifinals as well. Kerry, he, and you've been here. We've all been there. Kerry had a really good team and won like three games all year long. But it's it was one of those teams <laughs> that you didn't want to play. You know, you, you see all the names on the back of the jerseys and you say, why, why isn't that team any good? But you've been there, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Robert, let me tell you something. To be the NFL guy, to be finished almost dead last in the, in the NFL <laughs> event, is uh, it's not holding up well for me around here. I, maybe I can get some help next season because that it's kind of it's kind of not a badge of honor I want to wear. It's not something I want to carry with me until next season. It's been a little rough on me. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Robert, you're playing in all situations now. You're on the power play. You're on the PK. Obviously, you're, you're getting a lot of minutes five on five. How much fun is it for you to be playing at the highest level, and especially against a team like Toronto, and be doing as much as you are? Yeah, it's a big challenge. Uh, it's something you know all competitors want to be be in all situations, and um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And you know, I got to continue to get better and. Uh, you know, continue to get better at all those roles as well. So, if you could pick out one of them, what would you like to concentrate the most on? If you if you have a week of practice, what would you like to concentrate the most on? Yeah, I think uh, I think power play. I think there's there's so much more I can do out there, and I've gotten a lot better. And I just got to continue to work on you know timing of it, shooting the puck, and and just plays that are open. Hey, Robert, earlier in the season, you talked about you all as a team helping uh, Bennington out and, and not allowing him to face so many shots. Uh, you all have given up five goals in each of the last three games. What have you seen that, that you all could do to maybe help him out a little bit more? Yeah, there's just some, some points in the game where we, we give up second and third chances around the net. You know, he's made the first and even second save, and um, we just got to be stronger around the net and not allow those third, third shots because they're tough on him. It's one of those things, Robert, isn't it, where we as fans, we sit here and we, we look at the statistics, and the statistics don't always tell the whole story, do they? Especially with a guy like Jordan in his situation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the goals that are going in, 
are on us and not him. You know, he makes the first save, second save, and then, you know, it's hard to keep on making those saves. So um, I think, the, you know, a lot of a lot of goals have been out of his control and uh, something as, as us in front of him got to be a lot better. Hey, Robert, you all, uh, Callie Rosen is, is a guy that's been kind of up and down in the league, uh, only 55 career games. Do you all root for a guy like that to get more opportunities and, and really get excited when he scores a goal uh, like he did last night? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially, you know, he was in Toronto for a while, so uh, that one felt really good for him. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, anytime a guy like that scores, uh, you know, walks, those guys, they're they're big parts of the team and, uh, you know, big parts of the locker room. So everyone gets really excited about that. After you guys play Chicago tomorrow and then you play the New Year's Eve game, we're going to talk about that in a moment with Minnesota, you're going to make a trip. It's Toronto, Jersey, Montreal, and Minnesota, especially as a kid who grew up in Canada, probably watching a lot of hockey night in Canada with Toronto and Montreal. How much fun is it for you to go into those cities still? You're, you're a veteran now, but is it still pretty cool? Yeah, yeah, it's always fun. Um, especially playing in Toronto is uh, always cool. Something that um, you know, even if you, as you get older, it's still still a pretty cool experience. So, uh, definitely always looking forward to those trips, and uh, it makes it that much better if you're able to get a win. Is your family going to be able to get out to you? I know flights have been canceled right and left, uh, left and right <laughs> throughout the last couple of weeks. Is your family going to get out to see you for the new year? Uh, we're hoping so. Uh, probably, probably around the new year when we, when we head up to Toronto, I'll see them for a little bit. So, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Is uh, new year's Eve. Does it mean anything to you at all? I, obviously it's a new year, but I mean, does it bother you at all that you're playing on new year's Eve? No, not at all. I think, uh, I think it's just part of the, part of the gig. Uh, you seem to play on all the holidays, but, um, yeah, no, I love it. I think it's, uh, you know, especially, I think we're playing Minnesota, so I think it'll be a good good rivalry and uh, should be a lot of fun. One of the hardest things for me, I remember one Thanksgiving, I was sitting in the house and had no food, uh, and there was nothing open, and I was waiting on one of my teammates to, to have some food ready at their homes. You, you were fortunate to not have any, run into any issues like that during this holiday season, have you? Yeah, uh, I wasn't planning on being home, so I didn't really have anything to bridge. So definitely ran into that a little bit. But yeah, I was very fortunate. Some teammates had me over and, and helped me out. I was I was in the house lonely. I, I felt really bad for myself sitting there. Like I literally didn't plan for anything, and I don't have anything to eat, and nothing is open. I'm going to starve to death in my apartment before I make it to my friend's house. It's going to happen. That was definitely, I definitely had that feeling for a little bit. That's for sure. Okay, so let's let's give some props to the teammate who who invited you over to help you out. Yeah, Shen had a bunch of us over, so uh, you know he made a nice turkey and it was uh, it was pretty good. That's awesome. Hey, one other thing, I was talking to Joe Vitale, and I didn't realize this about your schedule. And I I know you guys play it a day at a time, but you're going to have a stretch where you play. You, you have something like 38 out of 45 days at home. How cool is that for you in the midst of the season to be able to play so many home games and not have to travel? Yeah, it's really nice, especially uh, guys with kids and, and bigger families that can uh, see their families a lot. And um, yeah, I feel like the you know the first half we've been on the road a lot. We've had some long trips, and uh, it'll be nice to to have that stretch at home. Hey, go get them against the Blackhawks tomorrow and then have a uh, happy New Year's Eve against Minnesota. A good trip, and we will talk to you next week, I'm sure, from the the road. But have a great 2023, and we're looking forward to having a great one with you. 
Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. You as well. Thanks, Robert. Take care. That's uh, Blue Center Robert Thomas joining us as he does every week here on the opening drive. Randy, I was sitting in my apartment in in 2007, and I was I I, I woke up not real. I mean, I knew obviously I knew it was Thanksgiving, but I didn't realize every store would be closed, and I had nothing. <laughs> I had water. That's the only thing I had oh, available, man. and I was I was going to Deshay's house, Deshay Townsend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have been Deshay or Hines. Deshay and Hines, they they did something together. It might have been Hines' house. But it was I was waiting on them to tell me, hey, come on, the food's uh-huh. ready. I was I could feel my stomach like touching my back. <laughs> I thought I was I wasn't gonna make it. So Mouth was dry. Did you have to call them or text them? Or I, I told them. They told me. They told me a couple of days. Hey, if you, you need some food, come on over. Uh-huh. Okay, but I didn't realize that I didn't have any food. I realized yeah, I didn't right. have food, but I didn't realize that every store would be closed. It's a hard day, man. It was. It was, that is. It was a rough day sitting around there with nothing. Yeah, you think that like yeah. Promani Brothers or something? Anybody, just one thing, give right? Give me a sandwich. Can you cook, <laughs> open the kitchen real quick? Give You're me dri- anything. Yeah, driving around. Nope. Closed. Nope. Closed. Everything. Nope, closed. Yeah, yeah, it was a rough day. <laughs> I so I understand. <laughs> uh, CD. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN. JJ uh, Watt is retiring. Who are the best defensive players? in this century so far. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. One of the best ever to play, J.J. Watt announcing his retirement at the end of the season. Played his final home game on Monday night against Tampa. And J.J. Watt is one of only three players to win multiple AP Defensive Player of the Year awards. Uh, J.J. Watt, Lawrence Taylor, and Aaron Donald are the three. And we were talking about it yesterday when word came down that J.J. Watt is retiring at the end of the season. Since 2000, who is the best defensive player in the NFL? And you can certainly make an argument for J.J. Watt. You played with a few defensive players of the year. You played on a team with Bob Sanders for a while. You mm-hmm. you played uh, in Indy. with yep. You, yep. you guys were together. Yep. Plus Troy Polamalu and James Harrison, yep. who were, were one-time guys. By the way, Ray Lewis won two Defensive Player of the Year awards. You know what? CD, and we had him here in St. Louis. It's a shame that we lost him. I, I really do think, and maybe it's a recency bias, I think Aaron Donald is the best defensive player of the century. You know what? I, I You probably won't get much of an argument out of me. <laughs> uh, the way that he dominated games, and, and well, dominates, he's still playing. Um, he's injured, but he, mm-hmm. he's still playing. The way that he dominates games is really unlike anything we've ever seen, especially from an interior defense alignment position. Um, like I said, most people thought he was too small when he came out, but his ability to be quicker than most of his opponents and stronger than most of his opponents is unmatched. Yeah, and, 290 and pounds, too. It, it's, it's, and it's, he probably has about 8% body fat. Yeah. It, is, it is absolutely amazing that he is that strong. I've seen him pick up grown men and move them out of his way with one hand. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you say that, yeah, he's probably the best defensive player of, of this century. Um, is he the greatest defensive player of all time? No. Because that would be one Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. And he, he was he was a different type of person. Well, I've told you guys before, as great as he was, he's one of the best best pass rushers of all time. 
and everybody remembers the Thanksgiving game with the 95 or 98-yard interception return for a touchdown. But the Giants came in here one day in the 80s against the Cardinals, 84-85, and their cornerbacks were all beat up. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they lined him up at corner. <laughs> you did tell me that. And, and and this was against a team that had Roy Green and Pat Tilly, and he shut down the side of the field at corner. That that's a freak athlete. That's yeah. someone that can do pretty much anything. Yeah. I think if you're for me, I mean, obviously we're talking about the twenty from from two thousand and on. You've you've had a great list of players that have done some amazing things. As you said, Troy Palomalu, Ed Reed, uh, Ray Lewis has won it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You have you have. Uh, Luke Keekley, who I think is is vastly underrated, and I think I think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't. He's not one of the top players to ever do it. We asked a question yesterday: Would you rather block T.J. Watt or or J.J. Watt? If you're an offensive coordinator and you're game planning for for this particular game, you can either say, "Okay, we got to block T.J. or we got to block J.J." Which one are you are you focusing? Which one are you less afraid of? To me, the most comparable pass rusher to LT is TJ Watt. Really? Yeah. Same size, you know, same ferociousness. Yep. LT was more ferocious, but in terms of just being an edge rusher and that's where the guy is going to mess up your day as as Coach Venturi used to say, he's he's an ambient player because you can't <laughs> yeah, sleep because sleep. that guy's playing defense against you, <laughs> right? <laughs> As, as great as J.J. Watt was in those three years he won Defensive Player of the Year out of four, in all four of those years, he was unbelievable. For for one game or at his peak, I would rather face J.J. than T.J. J.J.'s going to mess up your day, but T.J. is going to wreck your quarterback. He is. He's going to wreck everything. And, and TJ should have potentially won two MVPs yep. uh, in a row. The one that in 2020 when Aaron Donald won, they were, I think they were one and two. And, and, and you could have found a way to give it to TJ. And he had his, his quote, I, I'm, I'm taking names. I remember mm-hmm. that. I'm, I'm going to, we'll see next season. And he came out and won the Defensive Player of the Year the following season. I tend to agree with you. And the only reason is if you're an interior defensive lineman, I can get more help with bigger people. If you're on the edge, it's a tackle, maybe a tight end who should never be blocking Mm -hmm. you, and a running back who should never be blocking you either. I mean, running backs are more well-suited to block outside linebackers than tight ends are. I don't understand why offensive coordinators have tight ends block outside linebackers. (laughs) Just just release them into the route, man. You're going to get the same thing. Okay, so I I want some first-person accounts here because we're talking about TJ, we're talking about Aaron Donald, we're talking about J.J., Two Defensive Player of the Year awards in the century for Ray Lewis. Yeah. You blocked him. Yeah. He is a heavy person. Like he's he's solid. Him and him and him and James Harrison are are when when you make impact, you you know that they're mm-hmm. there and you gotta fight your butt off. He is a guy that he's not gonna we we when we watch film as running backs, we break down how linebackers blitz. So some guys they can wiggle, they can move, they can they can come mm-hmm. around and get around you, and and you have to stay light on your feet. Some guys are like a sledgehammer, and all they want to do is run through you. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. <laughs> they want to run through you to get to the quarterback. And Ray was that type of person. It it's beneficial for you because you know that that's what's coming. So now I can load up as well, but. It's the guys that give you the wiggle. Derek Brooks, who I played with in Tampa as well, is another one. He's a guy that can run you over or give you a little wiggle. That scares you. Like that type of run, that type of linebacker is the one that gives you a little, 
little nervousness because you don't know which way he's going to go. Yeah. Hey, here, this is a guy that played it. When he was playing for Lovey, he played at about 218, Derek Brooks did. Yeah. But he made a wide receiver, Torrey Holt, throw up blood <laughs> with a hit that he delivered on him. So that's sick that I love that. I, I'm sorry. I, I love Tory Tory, but just getting hit so hard that you start vomiting something. Yeah. Hey, that's football. Yeah. That's so, when you know you're playing football. So and another guy that because he's in the Hall of Fame, he won a, a defensive player of the year. And if you want to make an argument for Troy Palomalu, I think Palomalu and, and Reed are the only guys that played in all three zones. They could go back, defend the pass, pick off a pass, play at the line of scrimmage against the run, rush the passer. Yep. Th- those are the, the two guys that were best at that. I think Palomalu was the best. You could make an argument that in terms of just having an impact on the overall game over the course of his career in the 2000s, that Troy was the guy. Troy was, and I'm not saying this because we were teammates, Troy is is defensively one of the best players I have ever seen, just football players I have ever seen. If you, you We got to get Ryan Clark on here one day to talk about what Troy would, would say to him. Hey, I see something. I'm going. Cover me. And he's like, Troy, I, we're, in, we're in cover two. You have that half of the field. I have the other half. How do you want me to cover you, sir? I'm not able to do that. It's not possible. But Troy had this instinctual ability. We were watching film one day, and, and Coach Tomlin says, Troy, I, I, for the life of me, I don't know what you're doing. We do not have this in our defense. We have never run this, but we're going to add it. Because clearly, you know better than we do, and you are right where you need to be. I don't know what to so, tell you. He, it was it was something that he had about him that allowed him to be everywhere he needed to be when he needed to be there. And we're so in love with disruptors like JJ or TJ or Aaron Donald. Not that he wasn't disruptive, but Troy was disruptive in another way. He wasn't killing your quarterback, and that's what we're talking about with those guys. But Troy... If you talk again, go to the Ambien guy. There probably wasn't a guy that made offensive coordinators think more than Troy Polamalu. Troy Troy was so different. You got to if you've never heard Pat McAfee talk about his fake field goal that he was going to run, and Troy just ruined it. Like he just for whatever reason he's never lined up in this particular spot, mm-hmm. and on this particular time, he, something told Troy to stand right there. And Pat was like, it's off. We're kicking it. It's, it's We're kicking it. We're not running the fake. He has to tell the team that while they're at the line so they don't try to run the fake with Troy sitting right in the gap that he's supposed to run to. I want Kerry Davis. Uh, I don't know if you've told this on the air. Tell folks that are tuned in the difference between during the week Troy and Sunday Troy. <laughs> so during the week, Troy, Troy, this is a true story. Troy never takes his hair down. He he, he has his hair up in, in like throughout the entire week. And he is. Is he it is, a bun? Like, yeah, right? he, he's calm. Hey, hey, soft spoken. Hey, CD, how's it going? You good? Everything good? Nice to see you, man. Your, your family good? Okay, good to see you, man. I, hey, man, good job, man. Good job. And and when he takes his hair down on Sunday, there is something. I, I for the life of me, I have not been there. There needs to be a study. Someone needs to do some research. When he takes his hair down, he becomes an animal. <laughs> And it is the scariest thing you will ever see. And right after the game, hey, good guy, good job, guys. Good. See you tomorrow. We're gonna to get to work. You guys did a great job. Hey, all right. I see you tomorrow. <laughs> when he takes his hair down during the game, and I told you all last week, if Troy is upset, if someone does something to Troy where you can hear him speaking, and he's loud. The entire defense, it's like a button that is pushed, and they're like. Oh, y'all, you're messing with Troy? 
now we have to physically harm you. And and so it changes the entire mood of the defense. It changes the entire game. And, and now those guys are flying around trying to take people out. And, and it's it's fun to watch. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's Kerry. I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, this is the last week as president of the St. Louis Sports Commission for one Frank Viverito. He's been doing it for a long time. He'll join us to talk about this tenure next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. character with you on 101 ESPN back in 1989 on the heels of the football Cardinals leaving town and sports becoming big business in America. The St. Louis Sports Commission was established and in 1995 Frank Viverito was hired as the president of the St. Louis Sports Commission and the commission has done amazing work over the course of Frank's 27 years and at the end of this week Frank is going to retire. He's still going to be a part of the Sports Commission, still going to have an office but he's no longer going to be the president and Frank joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN and and we want to, first of all, congratulate you, sir. Wish you a happy new year. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm just a little worried that, like, after January 1st, I may not end up on the celebrity line anymore. <laughs> no, it's, you, you are, is it the COA that you're going to be? <laughs> the, the chief advisory officer. CAO. CAO. And I'm really looking forward to one day a week instead of seven. <laughs> Good for you. Hey, Frank, you've had time to, I'm sure, reflect on, on your, your entire career. Is there one specific event that stands out as, as the most memorable for you? Well, I have to, there's two, okay? Okay. The, the, the one that's personally that I'm most proud of, that I, that I truly love every minute of, are the Musial Awards, okay? We, we gave birth to them. They, they, they've grown. They, they just make you feel good uh, about life, okay? So, so that's, the, that's the special one to me. But in terms of, of the region, uh, it has to be the 05 men's final four and and we think about it and the weather was glorious and illinois was here and 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 the town was all spruced up and and it was just pretty magical so so that's that that's kind of what sticks out to me frank i gotta tell you that's my favorite as well the illinois in the final four uh event was spectacular for for everyone in st louis that is an illini fan and you know illini fans across the country just to be in that position but to have it here in st louis i think i still have my ticket stub uh, in my house from from that event i i sure do and i'm cleaning out my office this week and, and i found some like hotel keys and some fan guides and <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was really wonderful. And it, Illinois wasn't just in the Final Four. They are in the Final Two. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Another one that Kerry really enjoyed, Frank, was the Mizzou-Illinois football series at the Dome. Loved it. <sighs> Absolutely loved it. We did it six times. And you, you know why it, it stopped? Because Mizzou won all six and <laughs> Illinois was tired. Well, Frank, I, I enjoyed the, the final four. I did not so much enjoy <laughs> the whooping that we took from Mizzou. Uh, I was in two of those losses. It was it was really bad. We did, we had enough. No mas. We we couldn't go anymore. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. But, you know, we, we, we praise and, and, and then, you know, we, we, we talk straight talk here. So, you know, it was a wonderful series and, and, and the teams are playing again. Uh, in 26 through 29, and and if the dome is you know is is ready for 
big time football and I don't see why it wouldn't be um, we're going to work hard to bring those games to St. Louis. When you think Frank about what has transpired on the sports landscape since you became the president of the sports commission we, we got the Rams, we lost the Rams uh, a new stadium for the Cardinals was built in downtown St. Louis the renovations of Enterprise Center uh, you look at some of the, the, the soccer team being awarded the MLS soccer team and the, that stadium being built We've, we've really kind of had a renaissance as a sports community, haven't we? We absolutely have. And, and what strikes me when, when you say all those things, and, and we, we know them, is that this community has an interesting way to come together to get things done in sports. And, and I truly wish it had that same kind of can-do attitude in terms of, of all civic and and related issues, whether it's, you know, education or transportation or or public safety or, uh, you know, a- anything is is we we can do a better job as a region. And, and we should be very proud of all the things that we've uh, accomplished in sports because sports are the thing that brings us together. And, you know, one of the things that I didn't think I would enjoy and my wife and daughter insisted that I go to the gymnastics finals a couple of years ago before the Olympics. I think that's one of the best things that you guys have brought in. Absolutely. And, you know, we set an all-time record for the Olympic trials. Uh, It was supposed to happen in in 2020, and the pandemic closed down all all of the Olympic events that year. And and so we rescheduled for for June of, of 21, moved the event from Enterprise Center to the Dome, and had Simone files in town and 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 I love that event because it was sort of a coming out party for St. Louis after the pandemic but but it also connects to our Olympic legacy and that's something the sports commission is is so proud of and and wants to promote and and have St. Louisans understand that we are uh, America's first Olympic city and that's a true international distinction. Hey Frank you talked about uh looking forward to working just one day a week as opposed to mm-hmm. seven. Uh, what else are you looking forward to most in, in now that you don't have this uh, position anymore? Well, I, I would have to say that it's, uh, that it's spending a lot more time with family and friends. Um, we have two wonderful kids and one lives in, in Brooklyn, New York, and the other one lives in Tallahassee, Florida. I'm, I'm blessed to still have my mom and dad and, and they live in Tom's river, New Jersey. And, and so between uh, the travel that that Patty and I are are are, are looking at taking on our own and, and spending time with uh, with other family and friends like that that's number one on my list and I'm not sure there's number two. <laughs> that's that's great. There's so many things and I want people to check out the website stlsports.org. So when we talk about the good things. What's your biggest disappointment? Was it something that you couldn't bring here or something that that just didn't work out the way you wanted it to? As president of the sports commission, do you have something? that kind of sticks in your craw? Yes. There aren't very many, I'll tell you that. Um, but, but one of them is the, uh, uh, the Olympic swimming trials. I, I, I thought for sure we were, we were positioned to, to win that event once or twice in the past 20 years. It would have been a transformational event for, for downtown. It, it would have taken place in the, uh, in the dome with, you know, with a competition pool on one side of the curtain and a, and a practice pool on the other or in the adjacent convention center it was two week event, hundreds of millions of dollars of economic impact. 
national television and, and truly a creative way to uh, to use our facilities and, and, and an event that would have fit beautifully downtown. And, and uh, you know, I, I won't say never, but but I will say that it that it's a regret that uh, we haven't been able to bring it here yet. And among the the great things that have happened, and we've had Arch Madness for all these years, we've had so many NCAA in addition to the Final Four regionals and and first rounds. The one that sticks out in my mind's eye, Frank, is the 2018 PGA Championship. Well, how could it not? You know, um, the Tiger Woods reemergence. The the you know, it was just a, a glorious event. St. Louis was 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 well behaved turned out in in big numbers uh and and loves its golf as we've seen o- over the years and and that was a a very special event i'm i'm so proud that the sports commission was the the primary bid preparer for that event you know 10 years before and, and uh you know it it, it really is exciting to me to watch these events go from you know sitting around the table brainstorming ideas for a bid to you know a glorious sunday afternoon in uh in 2018 with you know with with tiger woods out there and and so you know that 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 was fabulous i i loved the 2001 women's final four um mm-hmm. that was perfect with with southwest missouri state here we we did a great track and field meet for jackie joiner kersey on her retirement way back in 98 at siu edwardsville that was wonderful the diving trials out at the recplex you know the sports commission so proud of of using you know facilities from edwardsville to you know st peter's and and beyond and and you know regional makes sense to us Hey Frank, twenty-seven years is a is a long time to hold one particular position. What are you going to miss most uh, about no longer being in that position? Well, that's another easy one. It, it's the, <laughs> it's the people, but because the the one thing that I would tell you that I'm proudest of in in you know all the time that I've done this job is is not doing any of the you know p- producing any of the events. I didn't do that. I I helped and and led to the building of the team that that uh you know that that did all the work and and so you know i'll clearly miss the uh you know the the constant interaction with uh you know with our board our members i'll go to as many sports commission events uh as they'll have me at but uh it's the relationships that uh, that mean the most frank you have taken sports in st louis to another level you've made our job so much easier over the years by bringing in so many things for us to talk about that's what what we strive for is content and you've done such an amazing job you and your staff of bringing in sports and making sports better for the fans here of st louis and we can't thank you enough for your commitment to the st louis sports fan and I'll tell you, you guys. When I say you guys, I mean the media. You, you get it, okay? You get the that you get the impact that that these events have on our community, and and you also understand that they bring you know important dollars and and national visibility to the community, and and it's a complete win win. And and we're so thankful that that you've been so supportive. Hey, uh, I was talking to your bride the other night at the St. Louis mm-hmm. Sports Commission Christmas party, and uh, I want you to tell all the listeners that you do have a. Everybody says when they retire, they're going to travel. You're going to travel right off the bat, right? Oh, oh my gosh, we're going to travel <laughs> right off the bat. We have a uh, we have a cruise planned in in early March, and it goes around the uh, 
the, the southern tip of, of South America around Cape Horn and and, and up the uh, Chilean coast to see the ice fields and the fjords. And, and if I can't relax there, then I can't relax <laughs> any. <laughs> well, have a great time. And uh, we're, we're excited about still seeing you around as the CAO. And you have a great successor in Mark Schreiber. And the Sports Commission is going to continue to thrive. But thanks to you, it, it is where it is. Well, it's all good. Um, I, I'm so happy and grateful uh, as my term, you know, kind of comes to an end and and uh, look forward to sticking around and seeing all the great things that, that Mark does. And, and uh, uh, again, thank you is really the only way to end it. Thank you, Frank. Take care. Thanks. That is Frank Viverito, the outgoing president of the St. Louis Sports Commission after 27 years and its amazing career. To just go down the list of what the Sports Commission has brought in under Frank's leadership. All those NCAA basketball events, NCAA wrestling championships, NCAA golf, the U.S. Olympic gymnastics trials that we talked about. Every year they do the the Biz Dash 5K, the NHL All-Star Game, the NHL All-Star 5K. They were a a big part of the Winter Classic. Uh, You just run down the list. The NCAA Division II Championship Festival, the, the tennis championships, Division II tennis championships that we had in town a few years ago. All these things are a product of the Sports Commission. I mean, absolutely amazing. He talked about Tiger Woods coming for, for his res- resurgence in, in the event that they had here. Um, that Final Four brought Michael Jordan. <laughs> Michael yeah. Jordan was here for that Final Four. Got to see him because our, the Carolina, the North Carolina Tar Heels were playing Illinois. And it was just you think about all of the events that take place, all of the sporting events that take place in, in in St. Louis, uh, they've been a major part of, and and you know I'm sure he is looking forward to being well rested and having some time to travel yep. with his wife and his family, and I'm sure he's going to enjoy that. So Frank talked about the regret of not being able to bring the swimming championships here. If you could coerce any governing body of a sport to bring an event to St. Louis, what would it be? What traveling event would you want to come? to St. Louis. And it could be something that's already been here that you want to see again. Text in 65780. We're going to give you our ideas coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. So do we look at the Liberty Bowl as a border war? Because it's Arkansas and Kansas? Is it? Do we Do we call it Arkansas? We can. Yeah, I That's like why it. it was so bad when I, I, blanked, yeah. <laughs> I blanked on it in the Sports Center update before the fight. I was like, Kansas versus Sweet Arkansas. Arkansas. And I was like, how do I how do I forget Arkansas when they're facing off against Kansas? That should yeah. be the easiest little it's, thing in my brain it's at all. A, it's a Missouri border war. Exactly. All right. So you can bring any event to St. Louis. And what has happened is that you've brought the dome up to the minimum standards that are necessary to bring your event, an event, not a team, to St. Louis for for me, Carrie. I think it would be the college football championship game. I like I, I like that idea. I think that would bring. Um, I mean, just having that game here would be awesome. I think you know, especially if it were this year where you have the potential to be Ohio State and Michigan. Wouldn't that if be that, something? If you, if we had Howard Griffith on last week. He talked about how the world would almost explode if those two were to play in the national championship game. But if you were to have that in St. Louis, something like that. 
it would be absolutely amazing for for the city of St. Louis to to host that mm-hmm. event. Um, I asked you earlier. I said WrestleMania. I think that would be. I'm. I'm. I used to be a huge WW. It was WWF when I was right, watching right, it. Now yeah. it's WWE. Uh, I used to be huge and and big into it. I was. I. You know. You couldn't tell me that this <laughs> was not <laughs> the the best thing going. Um, but to have WrestleMania here. I think that would be an awesome event and would sell out. It would be packed. There would be plenty of, of wrestling fans and, and people here to, to take part in it. Um, it would be awesome. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, a friend texted in and said, how about the College World Series at Bush Stadium? That would be fun Ooh. to see. Ooh. That would Isn't be. that locked in, though? Isn't that always in, in, isn't yeah, that in Omaha? Yeah, in Omaha. Omaha. But yeah. we can bid on it. We can I mean, this is, this is, this is our. Yeah, yeah. We're doing whatever like we want to do here. Yeah, so, we, I like that. NBA All-Star Weekend, someone from oh, the 314 just awesome. texted in. That they, would be awesome. They've had it in Vegas. They don't have to be in an NBA town. There you go. <laughs> That's fantastic. We're just like Vegas. That would be amazing. We are. Just like Vegas. We, we got boats casinos. and casinos. You yeah. can go gamble. Oh, yeah. any, are there any boats in Vegas? We're like Vegas. Yeah. We have boats. From the 314, the Frozen Four again. And that's another great one that the Sports Commission brought to St. Louis. The Frozen Four was a, a fantastic weekend. So that's a great one. Imagine right now if we had the Hockey World Junior Championships. I think. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I like literally. I opened up Twitter last night, and and not just hockey writers, but like I, the, I was getting consistent tweets about, um, you know, the the the, the game Canada was playing. They were trying a bunch of Michigans, you know, uh, around the back of the net early on in the game. Mm-hmm. That, that was populating my Twitter. I think right now, if we had that, that would be a blast. I know Jimmy Snuggerud, Blues draft yeah. pick, just uh, had a goal last night. He he's he's playing big. I think that'd be a lot of fun. We finished second in the bidding for that. Gosh, I think two good. years ago, Oof. and Buffalo got it just because Buffalo is closer to Canada. Wow. That's oh. got to be the only reason. That yeah. stinks. What about the Super Bowl? Super Bowl would, you, would be would, fun. How, how would that fare here in, in St. Louis? I thought when we had a team that this would be a good Super Bowl city. Yeah. I, I still think that if there were a team here that we could handle a Super Bowl pretty well. Obviously, the stadium needs to be up to the NFL standards, but we've already assumed that it is. I think St. Louis could do it. I think it would be a good place to have a Super Bowl, if, if, as long as you said the, the, the stadium is, is up to the to standards and yeah. up to par. We, we have so many ancillary things here for people to do during Super Bowl week that I think that people would be surprised by St. Louis. And then you also have teams that, you know, not get into trouble because yeah. that's what happened with, what was that player's name for the Falcons? Eugene that, Robinson? Eugene Robinson. Good old Gene. Good yeah. old Eugene. Yeah. Night before the game. Couldn't, he was couldn't. Just trying to relax. Clearly, <laughs> he was relaxing. All right, he should have yeah. stayed in his room. Yeah, <laughs> Stanley Wilson did stay in his room. The fullback for the for the uh, Bengals stayed in his bathroom with a big giant thing of coke. Oh, yeah, it was that did he? They, they found him the morning of the game. Yeah, fullback. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and then there was Barrett Robbins who walked out on the Raiders. Yes, he did the night before the game. Yeah, that's some interesting. You don't you won't have that here in St. Louis. You guys will be locked in. Maybe go to the casino. Yeah, that's all. You just hang out at the casino. Maybe visit a gentleman's club. Didn't I was gonna say? Didn't Vermeil have have a lot of famous famous you know pieces of advice to the football team about you know the nightlife uh, in and around the St. Louis area? You you could stay out of trouble. You could find your you could find something to get into in any city. I'm sure. Now here's one from the three one four. Clearly, somebody says a Chiefs preseason game would be awesome. We could get a preseason game. I would think relatively easily. I wouldn't want to watch a preseason game. Yeah, but it's better than no football. I mean, I wish we still, I wish we still got NBA preseason games. That now, they were so poor that now there's thing though they were they were 
so poorly promoted by the NBA. You, yeah. I would find out like a week before. I'd be like, oh, we're having a preseason game here. Okay, I wish they would still do that. That, that especially now, if you you know got like the the Grizzlies to, or you know to come in town, that'd be yeah. that'd be awesome. Bulls, yep. Grizzlies, that'd be a good game. Bulls a couple of other ones from the four eight zero USA water polo, USA swimming, and USA rugby. Those would all be cool. The Olympics would be fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, the gymnastics trials were. I didn't. I really didn't realize how big of a deal that was going to be, and then all of a sudden it was it was here, and it was apparently a yeah. very big deal. So I mean, the gymnastics trials is enough. You know, obviously, when you have you know one of the you know one of the most legendary players in their sport participating or was supposed to participate, obviously didn't happen. Uh, that's going to add some juice to it. But nonetheless, I mean, if if the trials are going to get that one. I, I can understand why that was kind of always, you know, Olympic adjacent event was kind of always the bugaboo for for Frank. And what other great text here? The Ryder Cup in St. Yes. Louis would be unbelievable. Yes. When you said when you said and I think you said in the open like a US, US Open would be mm-hmm. amazing. I was like, is that what is the one if we just like narrow down what is the one golf event if you could eventually play it your way that you would have? It would be the US Open. Is it US Open? Yeah. I mean, Ryder Cup would be a blast though. But then again, I mean Ryder, well, the Ryder Cup would be the one that I would take. Okay. In terms of the events, the, the annual events that travel, I'd take the U.S. Open over the PGA. Okay. But if I could get a Ryder Cup, that's the, the pinnacle. Hmm. It would be great. I, I, think, I think there are a lot of options, a lot of things that, that you know, someone said a Celtics and Wizards game, Bill and, and Tatum. That would be home. awesome. That would be See, that's a gettable. That's a gettable. <laughs> that's a, cool that's a, idea. That like is that. a cool idea. Like, like a preseason type of game, something like that would be really, really awesome. Yeah. We appreciate your text. Thanks for joining us here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to look back at 2022. Biggest events, biggest story of 2022. Coming your way on this Wednesday on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, that's going to be the sports moment of the year for pretty much every St. Louisan. And that's why we're not allowing that to be a part of this particular <laughs> segment because 700 dominated the year, the pursuit of 700 and obviously getting to number 700 for Albert Pujols. But there's so much that happened this year. Okay, we're going to start with our story of the year. Gentlemen, I'll go first. For me, the story of the year, the thing that I'll look back on is the Cardinals taking out out Jose Quintana in the fifth inning of the first playoff game and then imploding in the ninth. And the ripple effects of taking out Quintana, to me, changed that game. Now, I don't know if anything would have been any better with Ryan Helsley performing the way he did with the injury. But for me, that was a game that the Cardinals... Could have won, should have won, and didn't win because of taking out Quintana. If you win that game, I mean, obviously the Phillies go on to to play in the World Series. Do you think the Cardinals have that potential if they beat the Phillies? Are they are they the representative for the NL side? They were capable. I, I don't know that they would have been because obviously you didn't hit. Yeah, but they were capable of it. Isn't it amazing how one one single singular act can impact, you know, an entire game and an entire season and, and the playoffs for them. I, I think I agree with you. When we when we did the show prior to that game, I said I need I need Quintana to go six and two thirds. Mm-hmm. You said I think you said five and two thirds. Yep. And he was taken out 
right after the fifth inning, or yep. it was five, right when you said five and a third, five yeah. and two thirds, and we were both like, oh, he probably should have stayed in. What at least finish out that inning, um, and and you 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 put yourself in a different position to to win that game. It's unfortunate because that was. That was a, a a a moment where you look back and say, I'm sure all coaches, all managers look back at different moments that happened throughout the entire season and say, if I could have done one thing differently, maybe I'd do that differently and, and see how the domino yeah. effect, how it affects everything else. Yeah, the domino effect was <laughs> totally in play that day. But then you also can't, you cannot, you know, know that, that Helsley has a, no. a finger issue, which he hurt in a meaningless game, was against the Pirates, correct? Yep. Yeah, you, you, you don't think that that's going to happen or that that's still an issue, but once you saw it was going bad or going poorly, you, you should have yanked the chain, pulled him out a little bit sooner. But Absolutely. It, it all, it, 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 it's experience, and hopefully this upcoming season they will learn from some of those, those mistakes and those issues. Your story of the year. My story of the year is revolving around three gentlemen. Three of the best Cardinals that I've ever been able to pe- watch in, in my lifetime. Uh, going, Two of them going through their final season, uh, one of them coming back for another season, but we didn't know this at the time. But watching those three gentlemen walk off the field together, um, it just signified to me what St. Louis is, what St. Louis Cardinal baseball is. You know, to have the, the legendary players be here in that Cardinal uniform and then they all walk off together, I thought that was a special moment. And for me, that was the best thing. Here it comes. All of them coming out. How often do you have three one-name guys? It's Albert, it's Yachty, it's Wayno. Not it doesn't happen. And <laughs> and you know, there were so many stories. We played the seven hundred, uh, hit the seven hundredth home run when we came back. But you have Yachty and 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 Wayno chasing a record that will never be caught. Those two playing that many years together at, at such a high level, mm-hmm. you, they said it they said it when it was being done. This will never be broken. Teams will never have two players that stay in the same uh on the same team in the same organization for this many years and play as well as as those two have. It, there were so many stories, but to see those that that season, the end of the season culminate with those three walking off the field together was absolutely amazing for me. Matthew, you got a story of the year? Yes, my my story of the year uh, is not St. Louis centric. It's St. Louis. It's a it's a person from St. Louis is what I'm going to go with because for me, what was really special across 22 was seeing the ascension of one man, and that was man about here right here. Tatum gets a good look. Tatum finds some room. Tatum from downtown. He's three for three from long distance. He hit seven the other night. Celtics have a timeout, decide not to use it here. Jalen Brown kicks it out. Smart fakes inside. Tatum spins and he puts it out. Celtics go up by one. That's good. That's how They count it. They count it. It's over. That was 314's own Jason Tatum and his ascension into NBA superstardom. He did it late last, late in the season last year, obviously taking the Celtics all the way to the NBA Finals. They weren't able to get over the hump, and all he's done since then is come back this year and tacked on four more points to his career-high average. He's over 31 points per game right now. He's led the Celtics to the best record in the league and one of the biggest margins, most one of the most impressive margins to start a season for any NBA team in history. Jason Tatum's ascent in 
2022 has been easily my favorite story of the year. All right, 2022 St. Louis Sports MVP. I'm going to go with the MVP, Paul Goldschmidt. That's an easy bet. That's that's an easy bet. Safe one? Oh, you good? Go ahead. Uh, for me, you, you, you good? <laughs> no, for me, it's Jason Tatum. Oh, his good, good choice for for story of the year uh, is my pick for MVP of the year. You take your team to the to the finals. You don't win, uh, but you're there and 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 you play extremely well uh, throughout the entire season. And right now, if you were to if the season were to end right now, Jason Tatum possibly the MVP of this season so far. So I think he's he's for 2022. That's my MVP of the year. Great who's, call. Who's the uh, St. Louis MVP for 22? Well, he's the St. Louis MVP. You're a Collins. Where would Slew Billikens be without Yuri? They would not be a 23-win team last year. They wouldn't be on about on the pace to be a 20-win team this season. And, of course, 20 assists, 19 assists. I mean, it's incredible what he's doing to the record book. For my newcomer of the year, I'm going to go with the technicality because Ali Marmol was already here as the bench coach, but we got to know him as the manager. So Ali Marmol is my newcomer of the year. If you want to go completely non-technicality, then I'll go with Dennis Gates. But uh, Ali is my guy. For me, it is... We don't have it. We ready? Nope. We got it. Cameron Babb. No, no, that's the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's it's uh, Juan Yepes. His home run in the in the playoffs for him to uh, he. I think he's going to be a guy, a young man that ascends into a a spectacular player. I think he's a guy that when you watch him um, play. And you watch, you know, his demeanor. He he carries himself extremely well. He's a professional for a young man. I think his his play is going to ascend, and he's my newcomer. Good call. And Albert says he's going to hit a thousand. He did. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pressure. Randy, we finally got a name for our uh, XFL team. That, 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 that was my newcomer of the year. Is the XFL Battlehawks returning? That's oh, my newcomer. So again, it's kind of a technicality. Uh, and if you don't want that one, I'll I'll, tell, I'll take Dennis Gates because you already pointed that okay. one out. Especially after this past week, 2022 biggest disappointment in sports for me it was Jordan Bennington getting knocked out of the playoffs. I will go to my grave thinking mm. the, the Blues would have won that series if Bennington would have been healthy. Kadri on was on the yep. hit list for a while, wasn't yeah. he? Is he still on the hit still list? Still on the hit list. Yep. Okay, all right. Yeah, they'll they'll get him. Say, they'll, at some point, mm-hmm. you got to find out. You got to got to check him and see what's happening. Braden Shen's got the. <laughs> Yeah, the memory of an elephant. <laughs> for for me, list. it is the Illini losing to Missouri, uh, Mississippi, Michigan State. And I don't even. I can't even get the words out. That's how flustered I was <laughs> losing to a a Michigan State team that had just suspended multiple players, and then to a Purdue team. Uh, they were at one loss at the time in the front seat, in the driver's seat to win the Big Ten West and play in the Big Ten championship game. Lose those two two games, um, and then lose another one at Michigan. And now you're sitting at home watching Purdue play in the Big Ten championship game. So I told Kerry what his disappointment was. I said, it's got to be this, right? He goes, ugh. I, sir, <laughs> one thing about me, Randy, when bad things happen, I just delete it yeah, from my memory. I, I have a, a an innate ability to forget the, the terrible things and only remember the good things. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good trait. It's a it's special true, trait yeah. that I have. You're like a quarterback. Yeah. You say you would have been a great happened. quarterback. Never happened. Forget about yeah. it. My biggest disappointment of the year, you know, I have like seven different clips of Greg Gamzinger talking about what the Cardinals could be if Tyler O'Neill just came back to his, you know, almost MVP form of two years ago. And that's, that's my biggest thing. It's got to be O'Neill with a little kicker of Dylan Carlson because just so much promise. And now I, I don't know what we have with either of them. That's got to be my dis- biggest disappointment in 2022. Okay. And finally, our moment of the year minus the one everybody is going to pick. So we can't use 700. Blues down 3 1 after 2 in game 5 in the second round in Colorado. Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo scored a tie-it. Then Nathan McKinnon and Thomas at 19.04 trade goals to send the game into overtime. And then 3.38 into OT. It was Tyler Bozak that got an assist on the Pat Maroon goal two, three years ago. He scores! Tyler 
Bozak in overtime. You can bring out the Zamboni. The St. Louis Blues are coming home, and they're bringing the Avalanche with them. Bozak wins it for the Blues, 5-4, 3-38 into overtime. Alas, the Blues dropped Game 6 at Enterprise. Darren Helm scoring at 19.54 of Game 6 for the Avalanche. But the comeback in Game 5 was my moment of the year. The Bozak goal was my moment of the year. You felt like that was a, an opportunity for them to to do something, and, and obviously you end up losing the series. But that is a great moment for, for the Blues and for Blues fans. Um, for me, my moment of the year, I, I, I have to. One is real quick is the Wilson Contreras signing. I thought mm-hmm. that was awesome, uh, an awesome moment for the Cardinals, for the fans. You get a big name, get a big bat, you're going to have that uh, in your lineup for, for years to come. My other moment was from a young man out of Ohio State from St. Louis scoring his first touchdown of his career after so many trials and tribulations. This time it's Cameron Babb. Oh, that is a great story. season with the program has his degree in communications highly recruited player but could not get on the field one of the best players to come out of St. Louis has had multiple ACL tears and, and multiple ACL surgeries, has has plugged his way through his entire career at, at Ohio State. And I think the thing that I love about him scoring that first touchdown of his career, fifth year, the reaction of all of his teammates. Yeah. When you see your teammates run to a certain a particular person after scoring a touchdown, that tells you that that young man is a leader. They love that man's spirit. They love the work ethic that he has despite all of the injuries. And for me, that was a spectacular moment for him, for his family, and for all of Ohio State and their fans. Great call. All right, Matthew. Talk about a spectacular moment. I love it when sports bring people together, and St. Louis, man, came together when the it was announced that Albert Pujols was coming back to St. Louis and signing with the Cardinals. Obviously, everything we got was icing on the cake, but that moment and that first time back in Bush Stadium when he was in a Cardinal uniform mm-hmm. again after you know 11 years, I don't know if there's ever going to be a moment more wholesome as a Cardinal fan than that one. It was, it was amazing. El- electric. By the way, there was one other one that I know a lot of you absolutely loved. That was Labor Day Sunday at the ballpark with the Chicago Cubs in town. Last Cardinals-Cubs meeting of 2022. Last Cardinals-Cubs meeting that Albert Pujols would ever be involved with. The 0-1 pitch. Albert hits one a ton! Deep left! It is gone! 695! They pitch to him, and they get burned! His final at bat against the Cubs! A pinch hit! Two-run homer! That was pretty awesome. That what a, what a great day at the ballpark, the rainy Sunday afternoon, and yeah. Albert comes up in a scoreless game to win it for the Cardinals. That that you you grew to expect that from him, yeah. and then this season he kind of brought you back to all of the the warm and fuzzy feelings you had about him and Cardinal baseball throughout his entire career. It was an outstanding season for him. So many big home runs, so many big days at the bat, and it was he's like a rock star. Every time he came up to the plate, the entire stadium would stand up and and just start screaming and yelling. For me, that was a, a special moment just to watch him and, and be a part of that. We'll have more year-end segments over the course of the next couple of days, but coming up, are there too many bowl games? Our friend Patrick Rich is going to join us to talk about that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. And Kerry, 
has made it abundantly clear over the course of the last several weeks that no team that's six and six should get into a bowl game. There are 41 bowl games this year. 82 teams that are featured and uh, a gentleman who is an absolute expert on bowl games and of the economy of bowl games and why we have so many is the director of uh, the Olin Sports Business Program at Washington University, our friend Patrick Risch. Patrick, good morning. Happy New Year. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Randy and Kerry. Thanks for having me on this morning. I appreciate it. We always like to uh, hear your insight. And I want to start with this because you've written about this in the past. Is 41 bowl games too many? Uh, I'm I'm trying to say absolutely yes and try to get the breath to do it as I finish laughing here. Uh, Yes, absolutely yes. It it really is uh, insane, to be honest. And you know, with even with the expanded playoff that we're going to have, you know, many of these games just you know clearly don't have much meaning for most of us. And yet, if you look at the ratings of these games, guys, it, it still is, is leading the way uh, on those nights, and it just makes you scratch your head, which uh, I guess is testament to the power of gambling. <laughs> I, yeah. Are we just that obsessed with football in this country that we'll watch anything that, that comes on uh, football related? Because as I said, I, I, Randy said it earlier, I do not feel that if you have the potential to have a losing record after that bowl game, that you should even be participating in the bowl game. Well, yeah, no no question, Kerry. And, and we are that uh, you know, possessed and and, and, <laughs> and and have that insatiable appetite. I'm, I'm down here in Charlotte, uh, have been during the holidays and was at a hotel yesterday, and of course, in the lobby, uh, in the lounge, what do they have on? Some, uh, what was it, the Camilla Bowl? I can't even <laughs> tell you the teams. I mean, really? You know, Tax Slayer Bowl, all these crazy names. But, you know, here's the thing is, uh, you know, obviously, the one thing that schools will point to, at least the schools will say, is that by being in these bowl games, at least it's something that is a form of marketing and exposure for the university that could help them down the road, whether it's recruiting other, you know, hey, guys, you can come here and we'll at least make it to bowl games. And you get this national visibility. And, but, but, again, it's hard for me. I would love to see the financials for some of these middle-tier, lesser-tier bowl games. They, it's hard for me to imagine any kind of profits being earned. Patrick, that was that leads to my next question. What is what would be the profit for some of these these bowl games? When we watched the Gasparilla Bowl, there was no one in the end zone. I, I would wonder how, and I guess that speaks to why there are so many different bowl games every other year because you know the names change, but the bowls stay the same. How do these these companies make money if if people aren't showing up and sitting butts in seats? Well, I mean, that's that's what I'm. I myself really don't believe that most of these bowl games are making money, and you're probably looking at a tax write-off. To be perfectly honest, Carrie, I mean, you mentioned the corporate partners seemingly change every other year because they're not willing to make the commitment. They're not willing to make a four or five, six-year commitment. Even with some of the biggest bowl games, we we now have the the VRBO Fiesta Bowl. But uh, again, I they can't necessarily be getting the the visibility, even though the ratings are strong. And again, the ticket sales, it's just hard for me to envision that the operators of most of these bowl games are seeing a profit at the end of the day. Okay, so the operators probably aren't. I agree with you 100%. It seems to me pretty impossible for a team to travel and for the school to make money, right? Well, again, this goes back to, Randy, if if the school is, let's say, financing the trip, obviously, with lodging, feeding the kids, feeding the staff, 
The question then becomes, are we getting enough visibility and marketing value short-term and long-run just simply being in this game and getting the eyeballs that we're getting on national TV? Um, and, and a lot of these schools are saying, look, it's still worth it for us to do it for this reason. It could not only help us recruit student-athletes in the future, but it could also help promote just our university because obviously during these games there are commercials that you know kind of feature the, the academic side of the school, and, and, and schools are willing. You know, look, at the end of the day, uh, we know that sometimes most of the athletic programs within an athletics department are losing money with the exception of uh, you know, the, the, the higher end football and basketball program. So a lot of these things you're doing for the experience, right? Uh, for the student athletes. So it, it really is a twisted financial model for the smaller and middle tier bowl games. Okay. So we're, we're trying to unravel this thread to me. What it all comes back to is the ESPN owns 17 of these bowls. It's programming. It's relatively for them inexpensive programming for ESPN. And there's nothing like having, as you mentioned, because of the ratings and because of the interest of a group of people, it seems to me that if ESPN can have a live game on the air there, it's going to be better than any other programming they have. Can it be as simple as ESPN wants it to be on their air? So it's being played. Randy, I think you've hit it on the head, quite frankly. And, and I'm not saying that because this is ESPN 101. I, I think at the end, at the end of the day, uh, the, the network, what else are they going to put on? I know pickleball's picking up, guys. I'm sure both, I'd love to see. In fact, I think we should have a Kerry versus Randy pickleball match. I think that, that, that itself could raise a lot of money. But uh, at the end of the day, that's not going to attract the eyeballs that even a middle-tier college football game will. So ESPN, that matters to them. What's going what's to drive ratings? And at that time of year, what else is better than even a middle-tier bowl game? And, and the answer is there isn't. So, yeah, I, I think they are very much the fuel and the fire behind why we have this, you know, the umpteen number of 40-plus uh, bowl games. Patrick, you talked about universities potentially losing money or not not gaining as much money as it may seem. Could you ever see a point where, where schools say, you know what, it's not worth us traveling to that bowl game based on the price and, and how much money we'll have to come out and, and, and end up losing? You know, Kerry, it's certainly possible. And, and again, I'm going to uh, you know turn my attention here in Charlotte, uh, UNC Charlotte, my alma mater, uh, relatively new football program. They played in their first bowl game ever a couple of years ago. I think it was the first bowl game of the season they played and lost to Buffalo. But at the end of the day, for them, as a relatively new program, it was worth it for them to have that visibility. So I could see some of them making this, the decision to do it because of the marketing and the advertising value for the school. But absolutely, I could see some schools where, I mean, at some point, is it worth being in the same middle-tier bowl game year in, year out? At some point, the marketing value of being in a, in a dud of a bowl game has to peter out. So uh, I could absolutely see that happening at some point in the future. Patrick Rich, one more thing from me, and you wrote about this a few years ago in Forbes, that, uh, and at that time there were only 35. Now there's 41 bowls. But you pointed out that bowl game executives earn between 200000 and a $1 million for running a single game annually. And most of them are in the upper half of, of six figures, between 500000 999 That, to me, is amazing. But that is still the case, right, as far as I know. And what, what, maybe you can verify this for me. That the the bowl game executives are still making a lot of money. 
Yes, they are, and I think that we all chose the wrong profession, Randy. I think we need to. I think we need to quit our current jobs and find a way to blackmail some of these other executive directors and find a way to get into those roles. No, it, it truly is amazing. And look, like if I try to put a positive spin on it, yes, there is obviously networking that you're doing throughout the year. You're trying to to uh, speak with potential partners and and reestablish and and reaffirm. Uh, current partners to make sure that partnership money is coming in. Um, and, and again, because these games do get decent ratings for what they are, you, you could argue that this is the selling point that you try to make. So I could see somebody throughout the year making those sales pitches, but sure doesn't seem to me like that would be enough for the average person to generate uh, a half million dollars in income. So it is, it is again, a very warped financial model and and uh you know god bless those uh, those folks that have those jobs that are able to work however many hours a year for a half million dollars <laughs> right but but at the end of the day because of espn because a lot of people are making a lot of money the six and six team is still going to make the bowl so carrie's wish that the six and six, six team doesn't get to the postseason it's probably not going to happen anytime soon right that wish won't come true because there's just so much money involved in the bowl system no, but you know what, Kerry? Maybe we can go to, uh, if there ever is a czar of college football, maybe we can make these teams that are 6-6, six and six, we can make their coaches and their athletes wear some kind of, like, uh, shame badge. <laughs> yeah. So we know, like, yes. I don't know, it has to be something really ugly. <laughs> Just, maybe, maybe they wear one of these goofy little headbands, like a 1970s, Portland Trailblazer style headband. Uh, just something that makes them look goofy to say, hey, look, we really don't deserve to be in the postseason, but ESPN needed us to play, so here we are. <laughs> Patrick, I love that idea. That, that sounds like a plan. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> hey, Patrick, Rich, thanks so much for your time. Happy New Year. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And obviously, we'll talk during the course of 2023. Keep up the great work over at WashU, and uh, thanks for all that you do for the St. Louis economic sports community. Thanks, guys. Thanks for all of your entertainment. Look forward to seeing you in 23. Take care. That's our friend Patrick Wish, Rish on 101 ESPN. Next up, CBS Sports makes their 2023 wish for all 30 baseball teams. And for the Cardinals, they want Adam Wainwright's farewell to go as well as Albert Pujols. What's your wish for the 2023 Cardinals? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Here, there's a piece at cbssports.com with a wish for all baseball teams. And the wish for the Cardinals is for Adam Wainwright's farewell to go as well as Albert Pujols. Pujols just had an all-time great farewell season, which of course included his 700th career home run, and it came after a five-year run in which he looked like he was done. Like, done-done, according to CBS. Wainwright announced that 2023 will be his final season, and he's been really good these last few years, but a monster farewell season a la Pujols sure would be awesome. Let's get one more look at vintage 2009 to 2014 Wainwright the guy who finished top three in the Cy Young voting four times. It'd be fun and also really help the Cardinals repeat as NL Central champs. That's what CBS Sports wrote about their wish for the 2023 Cardinals. How about your wish for the 2023 Cardinals? Healthy hamstrings for one title. Mm-hmm. I, I, can we start there? 
I, I would wish for that from him. I would. I have a bunch of wishes, Randy. I would okay. wish for Jordan Walker to be here day one, day one of of of, of the season opening mm-hmm. day. Um, I would w- wish for Wilson Contreras to have the 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 framing ability of of one Yadier Molina. I, I gotta yeah. you know, just. I, I wish for uh, Arenado and and Goldie to continue on their. MVP level of play. See, my, my thing, I want Goldie to age like Tom Brady. Mm, not the Tom Brady we're watching now. No, Up uh, until if he gets to 44, <laughs> yeah, we, like okay, Tom we're Brady good. Did, I'm good. Right now, not this Tom Brady. Yeah. We're talking about years. Right, I want him to be 30, the few years I, prior I, to. I want to have his 36 season be like Tom Brady's 36 I, I would, season. I would agree with that as well. I think there are some things on this this Cardinals team that you, if you could get, if you can get those things, you will be. You know what else I wish for? I wish for a healthy Jack Flaherty. That, yeah. that might be a That's top of my list. One. That might be number one. Yeah. A healthy, mentally, physically prepared Jack Flaherty to do what be be a horse. Yeah. Two hundred plus innings, be him. And since we get to do this for the whole organization, my my wish for them is for health for Tyler O'Neill for Dylan Carlson, who I'm convinced the wrist affected him from basically July on last year. For Jack Flaherty, for the starting rotation. If the Cardinals are healthy, they can compete with pretty much anybody. And yes. that's, be- that's because Jack Flaherty is a front-of-the-rotation, number-one quality guy. I'm with you. That, uh, health is is the main thing. But uh, last year, obviously, Goldie was the MVP in his age 34 season. His birthday is on August 1st. So uh, he won't turn 35 until August 1st. But I... I just want him to be Brady-esque. I was reading something yesterday. A texter texted in. Uh, Chuck Noll said, most coaches wish for wisdom. I wish for 260-pound tackles. Then I seem very wise. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I wish, basically meaning, I don't want to wish for wisdom. I wish for healthy players that can do things that other humans cannot do. That's that's my wish for the Cardinals. I wish they have healthy players that are atop of their game and they are better than the opposing players that they face every night. The best coaches understand that it's not them. Like when Whitey Herzog, after he lost Bruce Suter after the 84 season, he said, I just got 45 games dumber. <laughs> you, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you lose a guy that, that you, it, it, you there's no thinking required in some actions when right, you have right. certain players. Like, you don't have to think about it. Put him there, he'll figure it out. He knows what to do when he lines up in this spot. That, that's the simplest thing you can do as a coach. It's, it's about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. Is there a better example in the world than Bill Belichick? And Tom Brady. There you go. You 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 know every single day he's starting. Every mm-hmm. Sunday, every Monday, he, he's out there. You, you're no thinking required. Right. You know, there, there is there is. It's very simplistic when you have guys that just show up and show out. You don't have to. You don't have to coach those guys. It, it, it you just have to keep them, guide them in the right direction. Show them where to go, and they'll 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 make their own way. Can't do that with Mac Jones. Nah. You know what? Mac Jones is a he's a different kind of fella. There. Yeah. Taking people out. Unnecessarily, yeah, I, I would think, probably hit Mac Jones right in the chin. I'd probably if you were his teammate, if I was an opposing defensive oh, player, yeah. helmet to the chin, make his teeth rattle. One good time, so he knew what time it was. If you t- if you dive at my legs again, sir, it's going to be an issue. You teaching Derwin James how to tackle? I, yeah, I love. I, I mean, it, clearly that's not that legal. Was, that anymore. was football. That's football. You hear me? So good when your when your teeth, when hey, you got to bite down. Yeah, Matthew, you're you're a young man. I can tell you that what happened with Derwin James the other night is the reason that America fell in love with football. Yes, 
That is what America loves. They made them stop doing the yep. segment jacked up because they 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 yep. felt like it was too much. There's like, a, there's people a, get hit. There's a line between completely getting rid of the jacked up segment and pro- t- correctly penalizing leading with the crown of your helmet. There's a line between okay. those two things. Is but all you I'm know saying. why? Okay. And, and I'm saying I'm not saying. Listen, I'm not saying the, the <laughs> dumb things where a guy's helmet hits another guy's helmet because they're both going low at the same time. That's dumb. But if you leave your feet and lead 100 percent like spear quality lead with the crown of your helmet, can you I, should be penalized on a football can field. I, can I let you in on something? Go for it. I saw Heinz Ward break Keith Rivers' jaw, and that I didn't feel I didn't hit. feel bad about that, it. it, 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 it one of the all-time greats. Here's the thing. And here's the thing. Oh. I didn't that feel bad about it. Clean crackback block. <laughs> Didn't feel bad about it. He did not leave his feet and lead blindly with the crown of his he helmet. He might have. Which from six he years possibly, old to 30 years he old. He possibly did. But either way, I didn't feel bad about it. And I don't think Keith Rivers was a bad guy. I don't not know. And but, you know what? The Raiders have been bad for a long time. You know why the Raiders are still popular? Because of people like George Atkinson and Jack Tatum and Lyle Alzado and it, Ted Hendricks. Those put, guys that laid hits on people. Put people down. Yeah, it's part of football. Hey, I, 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 I don't rather, know. How are we? I'd rather go with a forearm shiver than 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 lead with the crown of the helmet. Uh, you shouldn't lead with the crown of the helmet because you can I'm, hurt yourself. That's all I'm saying. But if you hit somebody and they go to sleep, there's then, absolutely a yeah, line. I mean, between, yeah, like getting rid of the jacked up segment. That I I know people use that as an example, and I hate because it's so easy. But at the same time, it's like big hits shouldn't be turned away in football. So I yeah, they are now. All right. Uh, we're going to have you weigh in. Your wish for the 2023 Cardinals. And by the way, the 23, 2023 Cardinals are in place. So this roster is your <laughs> roster. So you can ask for Mo to get $300 million so that he could pay Carlos Correa. Well, no, that's not going to happen because no? the team's in place. No, he's not what getting. If, what if I ask real nicely? Oh, 250 to, million, maybe? According to Greg, he's got to play third base from here on out, and we got Please. a third base. Ooh. We do have one of those. Not going to happen there. Yeah, he's probably not going to play first for the next couple of years, yeah. especially if our first baseman ages like Brady. DH. Eh, you can always use a DH. There you go. I don't know. So you're next, 65780, and your <laughs> mic drops on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We just had a highly charged conversation <laughs> during the break, and we're going to make it a segment tomorrow. So Just that fast. That's yeah. amazing how that took place. Yeah. We, we, got it. we have to in talk a, about that on air. In a blink. So that's, uh, that's coming your way during tomorrow's show. We'll be with you 7 to 11 tomorrow. Anything you missed today, as Matthew told you, available on the podcast at 101ESPN.com or on the 101ESPN app. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. All right, your wish for the 2023 Cardinals. I like this one. From the 314, Paul DeYoung to return to pre-COVID production solves many lineup problems. If all of a sudden Paul DeYoung becomes a 780 OPS, 30 home run hitter, playing really good defense at shortstop, that does solve a lot of problems for this team. What's the issue? What happened? I, I, that's the, the, I can't give it any other. What happened? What's going wrong? I, I would love to tell you I know. Here's my only speculation is that Paul is a really, really, really smart guy Mm -hmm. and listens to everybody Mm. and probably takes to heart all the advice that he gets from multiple people, whether that be a hitting coach, a manager, a fellow player, a personal hitting coach, a broadcaster. And rather than zeroing in on one thing to do well, 
he's got six things on his mind when he walks to the plate. Mm. And it's kind of like our golf swings, right? Yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah. You can't be thinking up there at the plate. And from just hearing, and I don't know Paul, i just acquainted, but that that is my guess in talking to people around the ballpark is that there's just so much thought that goes into what he's doing and he needs to clear his mind. So he listens to everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. So, he, so he'll listen to me right now? Yes. Paul, stop listening to everything and everyone. Yeah. Just do what got you there. Go back to that. Don't worry about what everybody else says. Everybody okay. has an opinion, but everyone, get this, is not a professional baseball player. That's you right. You are. <laughs> yep. All due respect to Cheesecake Factory, which is excellent. But having 300 menu items, you can't be as good <laughs> as you are when you have 20 menu items. Pick out what you do well and go do it and do it well. It's kind of like Vince Lombardi talking about the sweep, right? Yeah. You know, just get a seam here and a seam, seam here, here and run it until... It, somebody stops it. That that usually works. One thing. If you if you do it well, you don't need you don't need many many staple things. If you do one thing well, people will show up for that. Minimize. <laughs> but you got to be really good at it. Minimize. Uh, from the six one eight, there's not a single pitcher on the Cardinals staff that instills any sort of fear into the opposing hitters. I would suggest that you go talk to a Philly about seeing that 100-mile-an-hour Ryan Helsley fastball that he had no idea where it was going. <laughs> that struck fear. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> Is there anything I, I, that has to be one of the most fearful things a pitcher throwing a hundred miles and you don't he doesn't know where it's going and you don't either. <laughs> right, and right. You 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 hope that he has control over it, but maybe he's having yeah. an off day and it, you know, just kinda whizzes right past yeah. your face and you're oh, what's going on here? Yeah. That might be a little scary. How about this one from the six three six? A creative trade of Tyler O'Neill to get more pitching or another healthy bat. A hundred percent healthy Dylan Carlson is my cardinal wish. And that was at the top of uh, my offensive list too. The thing is if you're a general manager of another team, why would you trade a healthy, productive hitter for Tyler O'Neill, yep. who has been an unhealthy yep. hitter for the last year? Well, this is our wish list, so I think when people yeah. tra- make trades, they don't think about what the other team wants or needs in return. Um, if Tyler O'Neill was healthy and playing in the form that he had a few years ago where he was a, an MVP candidate, where he was being talked about as as that then mm-hmm. yes, you could probably, but you wouldn't want to trade him at that point. You would say, hey, he's need to, he needs to stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to be difficult to trade anyone that is not 100% healthy uh, when, you, when you're ready to make that deal. From the 910, I wish for a scouting department and GM who can actually evaluate talent and not have to go outside the organization for five of the nine positions. Hmm. There are different ways to, uh, to build a ball club, I would suggest. If you look at Philadelphia, they've gone outside of uh, their organization, and they were in the World Series, by the way. Uh, all three outfielders came from outside the organization. I guess they're shortstop and second base, or shortstop and third baseman this year, and first baseman came from inside. So they, they went outside the, side the organization for six of the nine for Philadelphia. The Houston Astros got Alvarez from outside the organization. If you look at the, the group, uh, Bregman came from inside. They, de- they developed Pena and... Uh, Altuve, but mm-hmm. uh, the first baseman came from Cuba as a 31-year-old. Their new first baseman, Abreu, yep. came from the White Sox. Their catcher came from outside the organization. Uh, they had to uh, replace an outside-the-organization center fielder for one that really didn't play that well. So uh, they, they've done a great job of developing. There are many ways to build a team. And if you look at the Cardinals, uh, they're 
during the course of the season, for most of the season, they had the most homegrown players of any team in baseball. Uh, for most of the season, they had 18 homegrown guys. So they do a pretty good job of, of scouting. And part of the problem is when you do scout, you have to scout your own guys too. Yeah. Right? It, it, it looks a lot different if you do have Randy Rosarena in your lineup. It, it It's drastically different, but he's not here, and you have to figure out what you're going to do about it. It, yeah. it. It's you know, it, it's one of those things where I think the Cardinals have done a pretty good job of, of scouting and developing. We, two of the, the main prospects we've been talking about are Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker, and, and by all accounts, Jordan Walker is supposed to be you know the next coming of the of the big bat that you expect to be in a Cardinals uniform for the entirety of his, his, his career. So I think they do a pretty good job. Yeah. I, I think the... Maybe at times you 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 trade people and and you never know how trades are going to go. You 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 hope mm-hmm. that you're trading away a, something that is not going to have the success and getting something in return that will. But sometimes the other team wins the trade when you when you make that make that deal. And by the way, for this club in 2023, as they expect, Edmund inside the organization, Donovan inside the organization, uh, Carlson inside the organization, Newt Bar inside the organization. Gorman inside the organization, and then the four guys, it'll be four that were from outside. You got uh, Tyler O'Neill before he made it to the major leagues mm-hmm. from Seattle, and then obviously Arenado, Goldie, and Contreras. Well, two of those guys are MVPs, so what's yeah. the complaint? Yeah. <laughs> and one you, of them is. You got him. I'd rather have him than not, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Thanks for your text. Coming up, rock and roll as we head down the stretch towards. BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. stretch with a little rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, we saw the incredible game last night and heard about the incredible game last night from Luka Doncic, but that wasn't the only kind of record-setting NBA historical thing that happened during the game. Obviously, 60 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists is, is historical, but NBA teams going into last night were 0 and over 3,000 when they were down by nine points with 35 seconds left in a game. But the Dallas Mavericks now broke that. It's one and over 3,000 because last night they were down 112 to 103 with 35 seconds left after two free throws. They got a quick three-pointer from Christian Wood. Uh, Luka Doncic then got an offensive rebound, put back, and one, bring it a little bit closer. Uh, Knicks get a couple free throws, a Dinwiddie three, and now it's 115-112. The Knicks make the smart move. When you're up by three and there's another 10 seconds left, you foul every time because you send them to the line. Now that the math is no longer in the team's favor. So they, they make the smart move. They're up by three. They foul Luka Doncic. He hits his first one. It's now 115-113. They're still down by two. So what are you going to do? You're going to purposely miss the free throw. And, well, this is what happened. Nothing shocks me about this game. And that drew rim. Still 
Stranger things have happened. Well, not in that specific scenario, as I said before. It comes off the rim into two different Knicks, or off of Christian Wood Mavericks center's hands, into two different Knicks players' hands. Same team, boys. Bounces out of their hands into Luka's hands, and then he just puts up a little 11-foot bunny to tie the game back up. They eventually went on to win in overtime. He scored seven of the Mavericks' 11 points. And if you saw the highlight, Luka dances around after he hits the shot like a six-year-old who just got a playstation for christmas it is the <laughs> it is the most it is the most like that guy doesn't look like he would score 60 20 and 10 ever i've ever seen but really just an unbelievable moment for the mavericks an unbelievable moment for luka Doncic. i cannot believe that 35 seconds nine points we were just talking about tracy mcgrady yes in, 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 oh, we're in gonna the break. get to that here shortly in, in the break just one of the greatest <laughs> you know stretches by an nba team ever it combined that with a 60 60 point game unbelievable Luca is is absolutely amazing, and and you know I think that's more so on the Knicks. I was going to ask that when Reggie Miller hit his, they were down eight when he did that, yeah, and it was, was a playoff game. It was a playoff, right? game. It was a playoff game. That because that was an amazing feat as well. But to to be down nine uh, and to be able to come back ten to overtime the way Luca did, you would not expect him to be as as great of a basketball player as he is, and and he's done a great job. But speaking of great basketball players, Rock, you just had a hot take from the hot studio. Here's what Rockio. <laughs> Just told Randy Carricker and I, and I want to make sure. No, uh, we cannot. I uh, can't go because I was, I was, I was a little bit startled by this comment, and so I want to get this out in the open while while it's still fresh on my mind. Did you just say that Tracy McGrady was a better athlete or better basketball player than one Kobe Bean? You said basketball player better than Kobe Bean Bryant. comes to strict, just like hard athletic basketball skills, Tracy oh, McGrady was more Lord. athletically gifted than Kobe Bryant. I don't think that's a crazy statement. I think it's maybe one of the craziest statements that I've heard in in my time. I'm just you saying. Think, you, you think that Kobe, you, so you think that Kobe's basketball ability is solely based on his ability to work harder than everyone else? No, I'm just saying that, listen, Kobe's an incredible athlete. Because Tracy McGrady's one of the bounciest most incredible you, athletes you we've Kobe ever won seen. A dunk contest as well? I'm, I'm aware of that, but Tracy McGrady at six six and you know like a skinny two hundred like five pounds. The guy oh. the guy shot threes at a crazy level despite his size and w- could could jump almost from the free throw line to dunk. I'm not trying to take anything away from being it Brian. Sounds like I think it. you are. I sounds am. like. <laughs> Texas in the six five seven eight zero. Tom think Brady's the greatest Tom. quarterback. But I think we can all name five or six different guys across NFL history who are who are better physical specimens at QB than Brady. Marino, I, I, Elway. No question. Physical specimens. Th- those are they're, they're gifted. That's talented. all I'm saying. I don't think he's a. He's a, he I don't think a better he's a pure more. shooter than Kobe ever was. Hmm. Especially from deep. Hmm. Rock. I, I, oh, wait, you know, wait, I, wait, 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 wait. Can you better <laughs> deep shooter than Kobe Bryant was? Let me, let me change that. Uh, he said he's a better pure shooter. Better, yes. No, better deep, better, better three point shooter. I'll just change it to better three point shooter because okay. he was. He was a better three point okay. shooter than Kobe okay. was. I'll change that. So out. you're down two. <laughs> what about ten seconds left in Game Seven of the Finals? I'm down eight. You're down two. With ten seconds left in Game Seven of the Finals, you telling me that you'd rather have Tracy McGrady shooting than Kobe Bryant? No, because I, I I don't want the most athletic player in that moment. I want the I want one but of. But you the said clutches. he's a better deep shooter. I want the, I want one of the most clutch players. Yeah, you said two points. You're down two. You need a three to uh, win. I'll take the tie. Kobe, Kobe will get it in the overtime. Uh, right. Again, I'm not trying to take anything away from it Kobe. It sounds like you but are. It's, <laughs> different players have different <laughs> skill sets. Some players are better athletes, right. hardcore than other players. Right. That's let all me, I'm saying. Let me tell you something. I said it was very okay. specific hey, comment. Not not an NBA expert by any stretch of the imagination, but 
I'm trying. You don't. <laughs> you are. You, you don't take Tracy McGrady over Kobe Bryant in any. I would take realm. again. I take Kobe in that realm. I'm not again. If I just want somebody, if I want somebody to jump between two two buildings, you know, in in the middle of a city, I'll probably take Tracy McGrady in that situation. But yeah, in actual basketball moments, I'm gonna take Kobe. But you ask me who's the better, who's the more gifted physical athlete, I'm gonna answer Tracy McGrady. So he's not a better deep shooter. He's a better deep shooter than Kobe Bryant. So I'm looking that's at one the, skill. There's a lot of guys who are better three point so shooters again, than Michael Jordan. Go back but now a question. single player is better than Michael Jordan. You know? <laughs> See what you did there. I like it. It's <laughs> all for you, baby. Yeah, no. Come on. Man. I'm, not, I'm not trying to slander Kobe. It sounds like I am. It though. sounds a little bit like you're slandering Kobe as as you die. Yeah. Try like you're, you're shooting and and not letting him know where the shots are coming from. But it's definitely rock over his shooting shots at Kobe Bryant. Next thing you'll do is tell us that Lucas currently. Of a top five player in the league. <laughs> yes. All right. He is. <laughs> he is. He, he's pretty damn good. Luca, <laughs> Luca or Giannis? I'm taking Giannis. I'm taking Giannis. Luca or Steph? But you know who's a better deep three point shooter? I'm taking Steph. Okay. Uh, Steph, yeah. Okay. Uh, Luca or LeBron? I'm taking LeBron. I'm taking. Okay. Luca, Luca or Tatum? I'm taking Tatum. Tatum. You forgot one big name. Uh, Kevin Durant. Luca or Kevin Durant? Katie. Katie. So not top five. <laughs> and yeah, I'm putting Jokic ahead of him too. So not he's top, top seven. <laughs> top eight. Damn. <laughs> oh, Kobe Bean Bryant. Is, gonna come, is yeah, Ray's gonna come very disappointed. In, is this player your... more athletically gifted than Kobe Bryant? Is this player, <laughs> is this player a better deep ball shooter than Kobe Bryant? Uh, great job today by our producer engineer, Anthony yeah, Rocchio. Maybe. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> CD. Thank you, sir. BK and Ferrario coming up. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7 when we talk about the most overrated person in the history of sports. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.